Bev's Video Kingdom is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. This episode of Bev's Video Kingdom is brought to you by Al's Piano Wire. Hiya. You need some good quality piano wire? Well, you've come to the right place then. Al's Piano Wire is of such good quality at such an amazing price, we've nearly choked out all of the competition. If you feel like you need some good quality piano wire to fix your problems, we've got you covered. Our piano wire is sure to leave even the most pesky of audiences left in stunned silence at the top-notch wire we've got to offer. At Al's, we may not know nothing about music, tone, or the inner workings of a piano, but trust us, this shit works. Al's Piano Wire. Our wire will make all of you's problems disappear. <laughs> hi, hiya, hiya. There's no Canadian at the start, and then you got into the Italian. I don't nice. know what accent I was going for, but, <laughs> no, but you got there. I said a commercial. You got you, there. You got there. You did it. Out you of did it, Luigi. Resist. <laughs> going to Did you just misquote the movie? Oh, that's amazing. Oh. <laughs> I hope that was intentional. Oh, it wasn't, and we're keeping it. What was cannot? Was that where you didn't leave objective? <laughs> it was we. You got that messed up. Or I'm or something. Refuse. Oh, you, refuse. Did say, you did say refuse, dude. Oh, resist? I just said resist. I'm going to make you an offer that you cannot accept. <laughs> This offer, you will not be able to say no. This offer is impossible to complete the transaction. I like to get. I like I, you know. I like to. I like to be a little more formal. Than, you know, I'm not. I'm not an animal. Did you right. watch and the movie? Then? And he says that he's going to be the mob boss out of yeah. the four of us. Okay. To be fair, that was like in in like epi- that was like episode six of like season one, and what's it's like a seven? It's like a seven season movie, right? So I mean, I, I might have watched that a month ago. To be <laughs> to be really fair, Nate didn't say he was going to be the boss, the mob boss of our group until like four days in the future. Yes. <laughs> All right. I just so feel like that's something he's going to say. In case, because I misquoted it, <laughs> time it, is a flat. In circle. case, in case, in case you hadn't guessed it, um, and maybe you haven't, we are back, and it is 2022. <laughs> Some people just went, "Nah, I don't think I'm going to go with this." this year. <laughs> They're like, "Ooh, the Godfather episode." They probably really know a lot about the movie. <laughs> going to make you an offer that you cannot receive into your account. <laughs> All right, it's 2022. Um, <laughs> And uh, we are back. Bev's Video Kingdom is coming at you with what might be the greatest movie of all time. It's certainly considered to be by many the the top, the top of the heap. Um, I'm excited to see if Zach thinks so. I just uh, can't a, wait. It's such a so, just he, so a here's hater. A, here's something that's special about this podcast, and I say special, and I mean it in all the ways you might take it. So. Whereas many movie podcasts would feel like a little embarrassed about the fact that the hosts had, you know, not seen what is arguably the most famous movie of all time. Two of the four here have not. (laughs) 
So let's just say that we're, there's no highbrow cinephiles uh, in this uh, group of four. Luckily, I have another job because then I can't be the guy that's like, what do you do for a living? Oh, I do a movie podcast. <laughs> have you ever seen The Godfather? Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, so, so let's see. So, so I had seen it. I'm, this is Nate, by the way, hosting in case the buttery, uh, deep, smooth voice didn't give it away. And uh, Nick over there had seen it. Hi. Right? <laughs> <laughs> had you seen it? Oh, yeah. I'd seen it. Yeah. Multiple uh, times. And Zach, you had not seen it. And Brad, I had not seen it. You had not seen it. Nope. I so you're, gonna, you're getting last night. You're getting a list. first reaction from uh, two uh, true true cinephiles. I've got a quick I've got a quick take on on the movie. But at first, I want to ask Nick as a person of Italian descent, <laughs> as a representative, who had the over under on uh, two minutes before <laughs> Zach references Nick Nick's Italian descent. as a, as a person of Italian descent and as a as a uh, as a member of the BBK crew. I'm curious. So, was this like required viewing as a toddler uh, when in the in your household, or was this one that you had to like sneak in and catch your parents watching at night? When we were over the age of six, we were required <laughs> to view this um, once on, you got your, at the on Christmas. Party. Once you got your first patch of back hair, they I were like, did. "Here we go." Well, that would have been that would have been that would have been four. That would have been four. So. Nick's Nick's six year old birthday party. He had all the kids over, and the the parents had to sign waivers so they could watch The Godfather. <laughs> Are you it was okay not with your child it was watching The Godfather. Agreements. Uh, okay, so we're talking Godfather, and uh, I want to just hear. I want to go to the go to the raw. I want, I want you guys to take go full like raw dog on this. <laughs> we're all going right. raw dog on Godfather. All right, Brad. First time viewing it. Give me your take. What do you think? My son's fifteen. And we sat down and watched it together, and I was like, dude, you're not going to make the mistake I did and not see this movie until you're an old man. When you start your movie podcast, you'll be able to say <laughs> you have seen The Godfather. So we sat down and watched it together, and we and we, we enjoyed the three hours. I, I, I said at the end, I was like, that was a very quick three hours. I was surprised that it went by that quickly and uh, enjoyed it. I mean, you've got just an amazing amount of talent in this movie. You're gonna get something good, even as much as the uh, the shoot had so many problems. It sounds like I enjoyed it. Um, after, of course, seeing Casino, Goodfellas, um, The Irishman, and and a multitude of other gangster movies previous to The Godfather, it's just, of course, you can see all the the things they borrowed from it, all the things they took from it. And actually, probably the most egregious is the one that I saw, which was uh, Jane Austen's Mafia, which I'll be talking about a little bit later, <laughs> which is the spoof of like all of the kind of mafia movies, but they really, of course, hit on The Godfather. So there was scenes that were happening in the movie that I was like, oh, they completely spoofed that in this, this movie I saw a long time ago, <laughs> which, yeah, it makes sense now. Zach, what do you got? So <clears throat> I... I had never seen The Godfather, and so I told my wife. I said, "I said, babe, we got to watch. We got to watch The Godfather." And she, to my surprise, I had no idea. Was like, "Oh, I've seen the movie a bunch of times." Oh, and I was like, "You've seen The Godfather?" She's like, "Oh yeah, I've seen it a bunch of times. I used to watch it with my dad when I was a little girl." And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> so, so we sit down to watch it, and dude, she was like my guide through the entire movie. She was like. I was like, wait, Sherpa. I was like, wait, who is this guy? And she's like, oh, that's Sonny and blah, blah, blah. And she like knew all the guys and, and she was, she was kind of leading me through it, which helped a bunch. I feel like Game of Thrones got us ready for this, right? There's all these characters, all these names. They say the different names throughout the movie. You have to remember who is who throughout the movie. And I thought of Game of Thrones. I didn't think of that, but I think, I think you're right. I think, I think this, uh, this paved the way for George R.R. Martin. 
Part, part of me thought that a little bit because uh, the I remember the first few episodes of Game of Thrones. I was just like, "What the hell is going on yeah, here?" Because right. I'd, I'd read the books, and so then going into this, I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be focused here to make sure that I can kind of figure out who's who and how they relate." And, and I was which writing is, down the characters' names like this time around yeah, at yeah, the yeah. start, like so Clemen- Clemenza and, and the and the guy who comes talking about heroin and and all the different characters. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's I a lot a large cast of characters. Just having somebody that kind of knew the basic plot line that I could be like, wait, who's that guy? And she kind of could fill me in was great. I thought it was really interesting because, I mean, she said she watched it with her dad and she was she told me at a certain point when the guy gets shot in the throat in the in the restaurant scene, which is fucking great. I, I thought the restaurant scene was probably the best scene in the movie. It's one of my, my favorite opinion. scenes in any movie. When he yeah. goes into the bathroom and can't find the gun behind the toilet for like a split second. Dude, some tension builds. I was weirdly. panicking. I was yeah. panicking. Well, and, and then he walks out and he sits down yep. and when he's been instructed to come out blasting. And you're like, then you kind of expect him to sort of decide he wants to say something. But then all of a sudden, you know, so it's like it's like the perfect kind of within a scene kind of like throwing you for a little twist. It was very realistic. But I, I, and I and I love a slow burn. That's kind of my jam. Um, I really liked I really liked the way that they set up a whole bunch of stuff and then they paid off a bunch of stuff. But I, I found it very interesting to watch with my wife because she was like, "Oh, you know, you know this this part." And then when the guy got shot in the in the he gets shot in the in the neck and then shot in the head, and she's like, "That was a part that every time I watched this movie with my dad, he would make me cover my eyes." <laughs> and I said, "Really?" And she's like, "Yeah." And then we would watch Terminator and Terminator <laughs> Two and Predator and all these insane like murder movies. But she said that her dad thought. He felt that scene from The Godfather was too real. Too real. She shouldn't watch it, which yeah. I thought was just pretty crazy. And and the other thing that she did for me when we watched it was she told me, you just have to think about 1972 and think about when this movie came out and think about what it is for that. And I think that really helped with my frame of reference because it is a really slow burn. There's a lot of characters. It's hard to follow at times. But if you have somebody to kind of guide you through it, I think it, I think it really helps. And I, and I really enjoyed it. It's funny that that, that cop getting killed is like a pretty damn realistic looking like shot to the neck. And then when you get Sonny getting shot and he's doing the dance, like out there for like a hundred bullets, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the exact opposite. Yeah. Nick, come on, give it to me. All right. I got some stuff. Um, so, you know, what, what's cool is I, I, I loved hearing what Brad and Zach thought. And then coming from who, you know, from my side that's watching it maybe the, I don't know, 12th, 10th time, maybe around there with it. And maybe not from like start to finish, but so jumping in and really like, and maybe reading a couple um, articles here and there and people talking about this or that or the editing and the cinematography and, and then getting deep into like the pace of it and how unbelievable. Then you think about now some like my one, you know, my favorite director is Fincher. So looking at Fincher films and like, how dark and like brooding and we talk about tension with Fincher all the time. But what I love and what I kind of miss, um, and I've, you know, feel old saying this, but I feel like before COVID all of a sudden we're in this, you know, this, this spot in movies where everything's coming out and jam packing. So fa- movies are coming and getting cranked out so fast. It's a movie factory now. And it's like anything over two hours is like challenging people's like attention span. Every one of these movies is no less than two hours and like 35 like minutes and not that like, and that's always going to challenge attention spans, but the pace of this is so important to not, and it's, it's its own part of the narrative too. It's about this family that's trying to make its way, trying to be legitimate. So it's the easy pace. It's the slow kind of this, 
that brooding tense. But it but it moves though at the same time. It's oh, not. It, it starts. It starts moving. It's it doesn't st- like the initial monologue. And then I got that I get thinking about Tarantino. I think about that first monologue. It's a four and a half four minute cut of just that monologue of a of a description of a rape or of an attempted rape, and then his daughter. Oh getting, yeah, 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 that guy. You know, beat up. And I didn't realize that Godfather opened like that until this watch. I don't know what I was paying attention to, but I forget yeah. that that's how this how the Godfather opens. And like you think about 1972, and a movie opening with four minute monologue describing a potential rape and a beating up of his daughter. But that's like, exactly some shit that if you're 12 years old, you're 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 not really you're like all right, this guy's talking, this guy's talking. No, it's right. Happen. I'm you just know saying what I mean? like the when influence. You watch it like, now. This comes out in 1972. Can you imagine the impact that had then? And like. Obviously, something like that. The first like five minutes of the movie, and that room is black, and like the sunshine is shining on the wedding, and it's this contrast of like happiness and bright sunlight to this pitch black room of these figures kind of floating around this room, and horrible things getting planned and played out. And this veto is like this storyline that you all love, that you all gravitate to, which is the the moral villain, the one who's trying to do the right thing but just can't quite get out. Who's trying to do the right thing but he's planning murders and he's getting men hit. Do we know how old Brando is in this role, or like what, how, how old, old he was, was when he actually was? Yeah, when he was in the movie, I'm curious. So I, mean, I saw, I saw he couldn't have been that old. No, he's like they show some transformation. Oh, of they him. do. Like I saw like a before so and after. He's but 48 I when the movie comes okay. out. Okay, okay. So so he's he's you know probably just a hair. So so I mean but he's he, playing a 65 year old man, right? I mean that's at least, yeah, yeah at least 65. Yeah. So so he's he's supposed to have, his character supposed to have been born. He's supposed to be. And the aging looks better born, than the fucking Irish. I, I think he's supposed to have been born in 1898. Yeah, and my, Carter noticed on his gravestone it was like 18 late 1880s or, or 90s. Yeah. No shit. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, it, it's but of course the, that's not you know it's not set in 1972. So. Right, but it's set in 1950s. No, 40, oh, it's the 40s. And late they 40s? wanted to make sure Initially it was 45. in the 40s because that's when the mafia, then you know when they were called the mafia, and they had to make sure that they didn't mention the term mafia in the movie. But that was when the mafia was actually because Michael fought in World War II, and that's where he came back, right. and, and then he he right. met. Right. Uh, 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 so he's supposed to he's playing a character that's at the initially that's about the right age. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if my wife's dad connected with that because he went to Vietnam and then came back and did all that. I wonder if if that, like... The military side of I don't know, man. It's interesting. Going back to the runtime real quick, Nick, you mentioned... I mean, I just mentioned The Irishman a little bit ago, and it's like, The Irishman was a long movie. Like, I noticed it being long. And Godfather... This one moves. It moves quick. I mean, the pacing Mm -hmm. on it is... And I mean... There's there's some issues I have with that at the same time, but it it moved quickly. So I mean, I never felt like this was a three hour movie versus no. Irishman. I was like, okay, I'm getting a little let's get a little long winded. So so I had a, a weird experience with this one in the sense that this was not my first viewing, but I did. I was very late to the game. I was a huge movie fan as a kid, and I, it took me till my early twenties, maybe mid twenties, until I saw this. Till you close to your forties? Um, yeah, close to my forties. <laughs> so so I saw it maybe twenty years ago, and. At that time, I'd seen a lot of movies, but I probably had not seen or focused on a lot of mafia or organized crime movies, and I've seen a lot more of them since. And so, and this is, I think, my only second second full viewing. So, one of the things that that I think was struck me about this movie this time was that whereas some movies that are classics in a genre, I mean, in this one, we, we talked a little bit about this off air. I'm not sure this is strictly true, but... This essentially is like the first modern mob movie, right? I mean, there's the, it sets the stage for everything that comes after it of that genre. Yeah. 
and as a result, I mean, I think some movies and the one I brought up that I really dislike um, is uh, Annie Hall, right? When I saw so a big romantic comedy fan, they talk about how Annie Hall is kind of like, you know, this classic great romantic comedy. Is that the, the director that has all the problems? Woody, is that Annie Hall? Is Woody Allen? Woody Allen. Okay, and okay. even setting aside the fact that Woody Allen may or may not be a piece of shit. I'm just, I'm just, I've never seen Annie Hall. I'm just curious. It's, what... I hate it. Um, and, and, <laughs> and I, and I hate it partly because I think it, I, partly because I think a lot of things really like built on it and maybe ripped it off and did different versions of it. And I saw all those before I saw Annie Hall. And so I went back and I was like, well, I've seen this a bunch of times, you know, but you're obviously watching in the wrong order. I also dislike Annie Hall for other reasons that just, I don't, I don't connect with it. But this one, when I came back this time, I was a little bit nervous that I might have that same experience where I was like, all these other movies have come along and done it. Done it better. Yeah. And there's something about this, about the Godfather that just, it holds, it holds its own, even though it's been copied so many times. There's something really like unique about the way that it presents some of the themes in it. And I think you guys already hit on one of them, right? This, the sort of moral villain. I mean, everything from Walter White and Breaking Bad to like, you know, sort of, you know, lots of the, the mob characters that you sort of can't decide why you're Tony rooting Soprano. for them. Yeah, Tony Soprano. So, <laughs> so there, there's all these, you know, sort of like anti-heroes that you can't help but root for, even though you're sort you know, you're, you're not, you're not necessarily on board with their sort of moral or ethical compass. And there's something about the way that the Godfather does this for me that was just still a total home run. And there are some things that I looked back at, you know, from 1972 that I, that I, that I couldn't completely look past just in the sense that, you know, it feels like a movie that was made a long time ago and there are certain parts of it that, that show their age in that way. Um, and I don't mean like, you know, sort of like offensive things. I just mean like, you know, it might, the web, the scene where Sonny's beating up the brother-in-law and like there's some like terrible, a, you know, like <laughs> stunt, body stunt acting, you know, um, but, but in general, right. I mean, the movie, you know, you could watch it for most of the movie and, and have the experience and completely take yourself out of the fact that it was made, you know, 50 years ago. I, I feel like I, the I characters, I feel like the characters are original. Like, and they're like, like they're almost like they're everyday dudes. Like the assassins, one dude, one assassin looks like, or one of the guys that they send to get, make hits is looks like he's like 68 or 70. Uh, the other, the heavy set Clemenza. I mean, he's one of the hitmen. You have these guys that are just normal everyday dudes that happen to be working their way up you know, a, a family, a mob family. Well, and, and with Nate talking about the Annie Hall connection, it's like being somebody who had not seen Godfather ever and seeing all those other ones going back, it actually kind of makes me, it, it brings the level of some of those movies down a little bit. Cause I'm like, there is some things that they really just kind of ripped off. I mean, things that, mm -hmm. the, that are basically the same type of scene just shot in a different movie and maybe done a little bit better, but at the same time, Godfather was first and and they aced it. Like I mean, my respect for Godfather goes way up knowing how much these other movies well, I mean, have like, bombed. You know, how, how much how much does Scorsese like take a hit now that you've yeah. seen? Yeah. Oh no, you know, no, yeah. I mean I mean you I mean Coppola, you know, is maybe the greatest of all time, right? And 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 this movie is, you know, one of the pinnacle pieces of that. And I mean, not obviously Scorsese has his own. His I think they were kind of collaborating, though. I think that because they were coming up all together, yeah. I think, right? Like Lucas, Scorsese, Coppola, all those guys. I mean, even I think Spielberg was maybe a little after, maybe tiny like, bit, yeah, but close. Yeah. But it's Lucas. Lucas and Coppola started, you know, yeah, the, the same era. Yeah. Um, anyways, so it sounds like generally positive reactions, even from our <laughs> our noobs here. So, uh, 
So next up, we are going to, in just a moment, we're going to jump over to drinking with the director and a very special guest. We'll introduce him in just a minute, and we'll see you then. All right, we are back, and we are back to our uh, what is typically our drinking with the director section. But today we have the special privilege of instead drinking with the editor. And that is uh, our special guest is Rob Schaefer. Rob, welcome to the pod. Nice to be here. Thank you. All right. Rob is live in studio. Live in studio. We don't have any Zoom shit going on right now. (laughs) We are live. We're all in person. So the outdoor studio. uh, Rob is editor uh, for the company American Zotrope. For those of you that don't know, that is Francis Ford Coppola's company. And so Rob is the man uh, doing the uh, editing of all sorts, re-editing, re-releasing of uh, many of the classics. Uh, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about that today, today and, and some on the next pod. But first things first, what are we all drinking? Brad, what are you drinking? Um, well, I'll speak on behalf of uh, uh, three of the, our, our other potters. <laughs> you're drinking my keg as well. We've got the Karate in the Garage, Karate. Last Call Brewing, Oakdale, California. Yeah, yeah. We've got some uh, fresh cutting in the garage that is going down smooth. What are you doing, a no-drink January or something? What's going on with you? Brad, Brad's got it. Oh, he's got it on the floor. It's hidden. <laughs> kind of a lot of I electronics. equipment around me. I'm like, yeah. I'll put he had it, it hidden in his mustache. All of Bez Video Kingdom, <laughs> the future of Bez Video Kingdom is all in front of him. You have to keep that on the ground. <laughs> Rob, what are you drinking? Uh, I have unsweetened cold brew. Oh, from from the Bucks. It's from Starbucks. Yeah, Ooh, trying to, he's trying that to cold black coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I uh, I know this is going to surprise many of you, but I'm drinking a Diet Pepsi with grenadine. It's looking very red. Is it real red? Yeah, I'm getting out of the bottom, and the bottom is where all that grenadine settles. How many bottles of grenadine did you get for Christmas? I didn't get any. What? Hint, hint. What? Hint, hint. If anyone's looking for late you. Christmas gifts, if Wait anybody out there listens that has anything to do with any type of grenadine company, you know. Yeah, if you, if you're connected in the grenadine industry, <laughs> I just want everybody to reach out. If you've got a, a connection to that red gold. I think that's what they call it, liquid red gold. All right, so Rob, we're talking Godfather, and uh, you work for Francis Ford Coppola. You work pretty closely with him. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. If you were Zach and you hadn't seen this movie uh, until you would were... Would you leave that off your resume? Would you just get fired? <laughs> would you be fired immediately or... Well, I will say it's not uh, required to see all of his films. There are certainly some I haven't, but... Uh, what? I would probably fire myself if I hadn't seen Godfather. <laughs> we tell Zach that he should fire himself all the time. But seriously, though, so like when you were... When you're starting out as like a young man watching movies and, and before you even met Francis, is that something that you were like... I really like The Godfather, or was it after you made that connection that you were like, oh, I should watch The Godfather, like, this is going to be a badass movie? No, I hadn't, uh, I, I saw it late. Um, there's certainly a lot of films, even classic ones, that I still haven't seen. I'm not one of those guys. It's like, I got to watch the top 100 list or something. Me too, brother. Yeah. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> but no, I saw it in, in college. I, I watched that down and watched the trilogy. Because you went day. to film school, right? Yeah, I went to film school in San Francisco, so... Uh, yeah, sat down to watch it and loved it. And is it one of your favorites, or where where does it fall for you on the? Whole yeah, I, Godfather one and two are, are definitely way up there. I don't know. I've never really thought of a, a top list. Um, 
Except for Apocalypse Now, that's probably my favorite movie of all time. But really, uh, yeah, Godfather's so, up there. For so sure. let me ask you this, because because I know that you did a you they, you just did like or some re editing on that, which <laughs> uh, which is cool. So so were you was it your favorite before before you even worked for yeah for Francis? Definitely, I saw it. Um, actually, I saw the the documentary Hearts of Darkness before I saw Apocalypse, yeah. and I was in. I was in, it was funny, I was in San Francisco State going to film school, hadn't seen Apocalypse Now, but the, the first film I saw in film school was Hearts of Darkness, that documentary. If you guys haven't seen it, you well, yeah, it's, it's, a docu- mean, it's a documentary. It's about the chaos of that. Show. The yeah. making of the movie, right? Francis', yeah, yeah, Francis yeah. His wife was basically uh, filming a documentary the whole time, so she had crazy oh, access, wow. and there was all this stuff going on. And it's, I thought uh, you meant like the book. No, oh, uh, no. Yeah, well, because it's based on the book, yeah. Got yeah. it, yeah, right. But um, So I saw Hearts of Darkness in the August Coppola Theater, uh, it was my first film. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, and being in film school and like the first time seeing Godfather and seeing Apocalypse Now and, and studying and being in those classes, I had to, you were looking at things in a whole different way. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it was amazing. Um, and then I've spent the last uh, year restoring and, and recutting Godfather 3, but restoring the whole trilogy. So I've been, I've been steeped in Godfather for like a full year. Wow. So it's pretty, so, so I mean, but, but not to, so, so how crazy is it? I mean, you know, and, and everybody has these sort of moments, you know, if you get far enough and you do okay in your career, but for you, I mean, if Apocalypse Now is one of your favorite movies and then you get to sit down with Francis Ford Coppola and actually make some creative decisions about the re-edit? Yeah, that was pretty gnarly. I mean, <laughs> That's so insane. It, it was ins- we, were, we were working on the restoration of just, uh, we were going to do a 4K HDR restoration of the original cut, the theatrical, and the... Um, the redo? Uh, Redux, yeah. Um, and we were in the middle of that and we were we were showing Francis some stuff and he was like, you know, I had this other thought for another cut see if uh, and we were working with Lionsgate at the time and he said see if Lionsgate uh, would be interested and of course they like were yeah every, and we <laughs> they were like sure yeah like, yeah we'll do that <laughs> well, Francis Ford who sign us yeah. up <laughs> yeah so uh, at that point we started sitting down and, and watching it and, and, and making decisions on, on what it, and the, the I, you know I'm it was an amazing experience, and we got to um, sit down and look at old dailies and stuff, uh, which oh. was amazing. But the big disappointment for me was that he, his his big idea for the third version was to restore the original ending, which I don't know if you guys are – have you guys seen? Oh, I have. Yes. Yes. Have you? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, actually, that's what I said on my dad. My dad didn't see Godfather, but watched Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Apocalypse Now I've seen. Yes, yes, okay, yes. I yeah. thought we were talking about Godfather. No, no. So, so uh, well, spoiler alert, the ending is um, uh, he gets and he kills Kurtz, Kurtz. Kurt, Colonel Kurtz, and then uh, just leaves the compound, all the people there. But in the original ending, he kills Kurtz and then calls in an airstrike, blows up the whole compound, oh, and then leaves. And they shot it, and that was the original cut, but... I guess in early screenings, people thought that um, too dark. Well, they thought that he killed all the people there, uh, all the the um, natives and stuff. Yeah. But he didn't, and and so Francis asked me to take a look at that and see if I could put it together in a way that it was clear that the natives were not killed. And so I did it, and it was re- there was all this footage of the sets being blown up and it's, it's stuff that nobody's ever seen before, um, and it was. Really amazing. And there were really nice shots of like the natives kind of running away and getting out. So right. I used those and, and it looked really great. And I put this Doors song on it that was really, it worked with it. And I showed it to him and I was really nervous, but he, he was like, oh, wow, this is actually a lot better than I was expecting it to turn out. But it's still too big of an ending. You know, we should we should end on a quiet note with just the, the boat leaving. And I was like, oh. Crap. So you took Jim Morrison out of there. And- <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> well, no we, just, we just left it alone, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Still, but the end is still there. I mean, that, that's that's the yeah. the final song. 
So, uh, okay, so you're steeped in Godfather, right? Mm-hmm. You've been working on this. Um, so How many cannolis did you eat during the editing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brother would send me cannolis. <laughs> Maybe he's a bigger Godfather fan than I am. Um, in case this wasn't obvious to you, um, we are not a bunch of cinephiles. Uh, <laughs> you might go so far as he's to like, say I gathered that, that we feel it's a major success if we can uh, actually figure out which uh, which service uh, movie streaming on. So <laughs> we um, try and fit MacGruber into every podcast. <laughs> so uh, so so what are the things? I that will literally you- suck your dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. What do you want me to fuck? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I haven't seen McGruber. Okay, so <laughs> see, I can. I can now it's our turn to shame Nate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so what do you see? Like, you know, what sorts of choices as an editor, as somebody who, who's, you know, that that's that's the thing that that your sort of mastery is in. What do you see when you watch a movie like The Godfather that an editor is going to do? What, what's an editor's eye going to do or see in that movie that a bunch of rubes like us would miss? Oh, I don't know. Uh, that's hard to say. I mean, I'm sure the, the viewers are always a lot smarter than you think they would, are going to be. I mean, uh, no matter how many movies they've seen. So uh, people catch things that uh, that you don't expect sometimes. And uh, So I never, I never think of like editing is like you have to know all the tricks of editing to really understand what's going on um but in the godfather in particular i mean it's it's all about the attention and and looks uh you know how long you hold on a character uh what you're showing and who's looking at who i mean the the eye eye lines in that are amazing with just people like so much can be said when 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 someone says a line and it cuts to someone else and they look to somebody else and it's like who's looking at who and how you keep track of that yeah um, wow have a michael in a shot and then like sunny's in the background like you see him react and like i'm just some little things like that that's that are really creative and neat yeah and and actually the um the scene where Vito is shot uh when he goes to get the oranges and the guys come out with the guns uh you know like when it cuts how quickly it's cutting like to the guy's hands and it cuts to the overshot uh the overhead shot um, that was a, a scene that I studied in, in, in school. Uh, I was actually in my textbook and it had each shot laid out. Oh my gosh. And then when I was sitting down with Francis watching it, uh, one time he was like, you know, I cut this shot or I cut this scene. I was like, oh, well, cool. <laughs> I was <just> my textbook. <laughs> my book. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking, I found an article in a, um, University of Berkeley, like a film, you know, site where they had all these like hyperlinks to Godfather links. And one of them was specifically about editing and it came to, it showed the, the uh the scene of the horse head and like that morning and like this the they talked about why the editors chose the fade in fade out and like the zoom in on the beautiful landscaped you know backyard Mm -hmm. and like that contrast with what's gonna what you're what what's about to happen well the music in that scene is is really what what makes it walter murch was a you know is is a genius um and and he plays two separate music tracks and that get get dissonant as they play together so it gives that really uneasy and just creeping in on that bed yeah and then all of a sudden you notice a little bit of the blood and then it's like oh so i watched i watched this incredibly with no spoilers so I literally had no that's, idea that's what, really was, cool. what see, was going to happen. See, I knew all the pop culture like references. I knew so the horse I knew, head. I knew Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes, like all those lines and stuff. I knew, but I, I didn't knew there know was the going to be a horse head in the bed. But the amount of the amount of kind of blood and stuff. Oh, that's gore. When that's they hiding back, under the and the fact that yeah. it's the dudes like that. He was just talking shit about like, oh, look at this fucking horse I just bought for all this money and shit. Cartoon. So great. Next morning. Like, Did you expect that at all morning. with the horse? No, I didn't expect it at all. When I saw the horse scene, when he was introducing the horse scene, after I saw the horse head, I thought, 
oh, it all makes sense now because I knew there was going to be a horse head, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't put that together as I was watching it. I was like, oh, he's just showing him his horse. Like, I didn't, yeah. I knew they were going to do something in retaliation to him. I didn't think that that's what they were going to do. Um, when I watch that now, I'm like, oh, God, I wonder if, if this is because it's some, it's become such a big trope of like, it's not like telegraphed. Then, it's not yeah. telegraphed at all. And I knew that there was going to be a horse in a bed at some point. And when they showed the horse, <laughs> I didn't still go, <laughs> oh, they're going to cut that fucking horse's head off. I did not make that. <laughs> See, I, I 100% immediately was like, oh, that's the horse. That's that's the head cut off. Dude, <laughs> I did not make that connection at all. Yeah. So you said that, that you sit with Francis a lot. What do you think? Like, do you have any insight about how he sees the legacy of the Godfather. I mean, I wonder whether, you know, I mean, you know, so for one thing, I mean, you think he's a, is he a fan of his own movie? I mean, can you yeah. be a fan of your own movie? Does I guess he seem protective of it? Uh, yeah, yeah, very protective yeah, of it. Bet. Yeah, he really, he likes it. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he'll sit down and, and, and he's watched it a bunch of times and, you know, throughout the process of restoration and uh, he's definitely very protective of it. There's There's some things that we work on where, you know, he's very playful and experimental with a lot of things and so, you know, when we're doing a movie like Twixt or we're doing like a little uh, mini documentary for something else, um, he'll be like, yeah, crazy idea. Let's try this. But with Godfather, it's like, you know, when we do something to it, like when we're working on Godfather 3, it's very like uh, this has to work. You know, it can't be um, he's still experimental and we try things. But when it comes to approving something that's going to go out, uh, we take a very close eye to, to whatever's done to that. And I could I could tell that he really cared about it. Yeah, a lot. So, so the real question I have is, is Francis at this point, like the dawn of all of this stuff? Like, do you just, do you just, do you do a bunch of work and then bring it to him and then he makes the ultimate like, no. Well, for or, sure. Yeah. For right. Sure. Like yeah, he's no, like, he gets final. He's like Don Francis of the, uh, of the, of the whole deal. Right. I well, mean, he kind of makes all the, all the shot. He's the shot caller. For sure. Yeah. He's yeah shot that's, caller that's fucking, that's like the, the pinnacle, right? Where you are so respected and so cool and you have your own company and all this shit where you're just like, you have this legacy of film and you're like, even at, in this day and age, like we're going to redo this, but I still have the ultimate say on what's going to happen. Well, he's a, he's a rare bird that he has, uh, he owns a lot of his own films. I mean, not all of them and certainly Godfather Paramount owns it, but, um, you know, Apocalypse and most stuff after, except for a period in the, in the nineties, he owns a lot of his own Apocalypse films. he does. Yeah. Apocalypse. Wow. wow. Yeah. He, he paid a steep price for it. Because a lot of these guys don't do that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And was that it's because of Zo- American Zoetrope? And did that have to do with... That was how he got his in. Is he? That's how they. Did, was it a thing where Zoetrope funded? No, no. Uh, no yeah. No. Well, actually, that one. Yeah. He. Well, he paid for it himself, and wow. Zoetrope was the production company. Wow. Um, but yeah, he had to like, uh, you know, put a second mortgage on his on his house, and almost almost lost everything just to now, make it. Yeah. Now Francis is a Napa guy, right? Yeah, he lives in Napa. Now. Yeah. I, so so if he was here with us, he'd be drinking his own wine, or we would all be probably, drinking. Well, <laughs> probably, yeah. Because earlier, uh, Nate's sister had brought a bottle of wine, and Nate said, oh, did you bring us some good Italian wine? And she said, no, Napa. And now it makes total sense. She was uh, she was ahead of the game. Zach <laughs> walked in with a bottle of Carlo Rossi, just like around, around his thumb. Um, a box. Hey, hey, Nikki, what are we drinking? <laughs> so, all right, so here's what I want to know. Uh, and I'm, I'm throwing this out to the table because I, I kind of I'd be curious to hear everybody's take. Um, so one of the things that I, I you know when it's when, it, when you're talking about a movie that is this impactful and this this good, like why why is like why does it elevate to this next level, right? Like why is this movie sort of you know considered you know among the very best of all time? Um, 
and I wonder whether or not everybody sees something a little bit different in it. I mean, for me, I think, you know, as I was trying to ponder this and watching the movie, um, it's because they do such a, there's something about the combat, the intersection of the characters, uh, and the story that is, you know, through, through like terrific acting and obviously you know, amazing directing, like there's just a, like a quality to it that you connect to, or that you feel like you have an insight to that transcends, right? Like you, you just, you, you can't capture that with that many characters in very many different movies. Well, well family is, is something that's always going to resonate with just about anybody. So I mean, when you, when you have a film that's so dependent on family bonds, family trust, but there's, and, but there's a lot of movies that have, I mean, there's a lot of movies that have family, but, elements, but, right? but Why family this put one? to the test at like a very extreme, extreme situation. Maybe. Well, in that, in that box, right? Like a, a mafia world that's trying to legitimize that they're just like kind of hanging on. They're being surrounded. They know they're about to go into a war. You know, they're starting to get clipped off you know, one at a time. And you have a Don that's, you know, almost on his way out. <clears throat> and, um, you know that he cares. The thing is, is the acting really, right? So it's family, but the acting and the actors are what really like bring it home. So like Marlon Brando. Well, yeah, if you have a core of Marlon Brando, James Caan, uh, uh, Al Pacino, Al Pacino. and uh, Robert Duvall, yeah. I mean, right there, you're starting right, you way ahead of the game when you've got those four core, uh, the and core, four, right? And there. then if you add two, right, De Niro, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, argue, people argue that that's the best movie of all time is, is two. Number two. Yeah. Did you guys watch two? Yes. Not yet. Uh, both uh, of us have not seen two yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, listening to your descriptions of one, uh, you might need a Sherpa to get through two. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I was, to kind of help us through oh, the characters. Yeah. I was frankly surprised at, that you were saying it was so hard to, to follow because uh, maybe I've seen it so many times, but it, it seems rather linear to me. But but Godfather 2 is, uh, e even now, after 50 times watching that, I still question whether I know what's going on. <laughs> so so it, In is, a good way. it is linear, but... It's the names. There's a lot of names, and I and I feel like uh, there's a lot of names that sound similar in my head. Maybe that's just like some sort of weird thing for <laughs> me. But racism I like, towards Italian <laughs> is what it is. Yeah. But I think it, it, to Nate's point, what makes this re what made this movie resonate with people? I think is just the the realism with which it's shot. I think like the wedding scene is like just super insanely realistic when the when they call the the mother-in-law out of the crowd to come sing uh basically like karaoke at the wedding i love that scene and they're just like she's like no 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 oh, okay and she comes out and she's singing and she like kills I, it oh dude and i've been to weddings where I, we went to uh we went to a wedding not too long ago with um with some uh, Portuguese uh, people, and they were singing in Portuguese, and, and it was very, it was very like you know, you know, very their their culture and their and their whole thing, and I really got that feeling with the big Italian wedding and all the people, and it was it was very cool. I feel like there's a lot of uh, you know the 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 restaurant where where he where he does that like it's super just just hyper realism uh, with the with the killing and, and, and a lot of the different stuff I, I, I mean really dug it. maybe it's that it feels both realistic but extraordinary in the sense that it, it has a, a way of making you taking you into a situation that is com, com, feels as far foreign and like you know as far away from most people's worlds as you can imagine and yet somehow makes it feel very grounded and connected well yeah like say my say my brother and i were having problems like maybe weren't getting along as well but if something happened to him i mean i immediately would be on like okay who who do we got to go kill like who, like what's <laughs> yeah. going on like i'm i'm well, full, like, and, full in you'd be like the henchman in die hard when he <laughs> dies well and zach and i have younger sisters 
And so picturing oh, dude. the Carlos situation yeah. and like actually Sonny's reaction to that, I mean, I wouldn't do anything different. No, I wouldn't yeah. have done way more. That's Sonny. my part of my body bag. Instead of fake hitting Carlo, you know, like <laughs> from that like eight inches away. Yeah. I'm connected. And then uh, he that guy needed to get murdered in the yeah. first in the first the first beatdown should have been a murder. I mean, these guys are fucking cold blooded killers. I'm stepping on myself right now. These guys are cold blooded killers and they don't kill the guy that fucks up their sister. Well, they got they but got you know, they got certain it? morals. No, yeah. is that it was his doesn't it was matter. His daughter dude. That guy's the Don's son. He doesn't give a fuck no, if you're connected his, or not. They didn't oh, want to make. I thought, I thought Carlo was connected widow. to one of the other families. Maybe I'm wrong. No, it was that they didn't want to make his sister a widow. Right. Yeah. But, but then I think Michael ends up doing it anyways. And then he so gets the kid. Should have done it earlier, dude. I, that shit God's pissed me off. Yeah. I was angry. He's still a little hot right there. Fucking phantom punches he was throwing at that dude. I was like, dude, we need to kill this guy right now, Sonny. Let's well, go. It does bus. not end good for Carlo in the end. No, it doesn't, but he <laughs> but he still gets to freaking he fucks the sister up, dude. That's I, I didn't yeah. like that at all. So um you I mean, as far as me in this movie, as Zach like uh you know, take took a shot at earlier, growing up in, in an Italian American family, um, one side of the family growing up and I did resonate with a very small version, but the the feeling and um, like everyone in the suits and like the greased slick back hair um, growing up in Italian parties like that, whether it's just a, <laughs> a, a family reunion um, with a similar, you know, obviously the, you know, the food and um, the Hispanic culture is similar to the Mexican culture where if, if you have grandmas and moms around, they want you to eat until you can't eat anymore <laughs> and there's food and there's the food's not going to stop coming they want you to eat manja manja tutti manja like you know you know eat your food you know oh you look skinny you look skinny eat some you got it you know have you been eating kind of a thing um Did and they, so they saw your six pack and they're like okay no you're, you're gonna, like have some <laughs> pasta motherfucker <laughs> have some veal no uh but i i could uh i could definitely connect with that growing up because we had a you know side of the family where i i had that that vibe connect i connected with that robbie i want to ask you a question rob is there any knowledge of like coppola's uh relationship with scorsese i mean considering that scorsese kids guys my age who've seen casino goodfellas a, a billion times what is there a relationship between them is it is it positive is it yeah it's very positive uh, i don't know much about it other than you know things i've i mean he calls him marty uh you know did you see marty's <laughs> latest documentary did you see marty's this he um he has a restaurant or, yeah he has a restaurant in geyserville called rustic and on the menu there's a uh, lemon brick chicken which is uh, a recipe from marty's mom um yeah, they're very friendly. He, he, I, I don't know much about. There, there's actually a, there's a book. I forget what it's called, but it's about all the the, the golden age '70s directors. It's very good. That that talks about. I think it's called Easy Writers, something oh, something. Easy Writer. It's something something Easy Writers. Um, but it, it's it's very good. Uh, I'm sure it has more to say about their their relationship. But they're very very friendly. Yeah. It just. It, I guess it was just really surprising <laughs> to me to see how many things I felt like were just basically like. I mean, not copied, but just pretty much taken like, oh, this is, we're just going to take this and do it a little, just a little bit differently. But the, the same vibe, the same feeling like coming from Godfather going into Goodfellas or. Well, I mean, you make a good mob movie, how, you know, uh, what's not, it's, it's going to have some connection to Godfather. That's know? true. Right. He laid down the blueprint, right? I mean, yeah. That's yeah. basically it's foundation. Well, and exactly. why, do, why do you think it's so great? I mean, you know, to, to throw the question to you, why is it, why does it transcend? I mean, why does one and two together or, or either one? Now, now wait, did they film one and two at the same time? No, they were very close together, but not the same. Okay. Time. I heard they greenlit one, right? Like basically as 
they were doing the script even i think for the for the first one they greenlit number two like, yeah I'm, I, I i don't i know he did one and then uh he did a movie in between called the conversation okay and he kind of left towards the end of the conversation post-production to go shoot godfather 2 he left in the middle of the conversation yeah, <laughs> yeah well yeah uh, I, I, i'll be right back i gotta go do this other movie <laughs> sorry, i'm sorry <laughs> got a feeling this shit's gonna be big yeah. i'll be back <laughs> Uh, no, I think, uh, you know, I, uh, as far as The Godfather goes, I think it, it makes you feel part of the family and in that framework, the fam- family is like the most important thing. So you you feel important, you feel invested in the in the characters and uh, also it's just uh, everything is done exquisitely on the production side, you know, uh, directing, costumes, acting, photography, editing certainly, sound, everything is like uh, 10 out of 10. So not a lot of films do that some you know really great films will will do uh half of the things 10 out of 10 and the other half 9 out of 10 but godfather's 10 out of 10 everything so does he uh does coppola kind of build a um you know like does the workspace kind of represent that like family does he kind of create that sense of a uh, kind of like a sense of family oh yeah definitely yeah. i mean when we have lunches sometimes he'll cook and you know the lunches are always really big important um uh, especially during the actual making, like production while you're shooting, um, he he always has these Napoleon quotes, and 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 one of them is uh, uh, like an army marches on its stomach. So uh, <laughs> he always bad. has like the best catering, no matter what it is. So that the you know, no matter what the conditions are, if you're working late hours or if it's cold, if it's night shoots, you know, as long as you have a really fantastic meal, um, sometimes a few. Uh, everyone's real happy. So, well, you were you were saying right before we got on, Brad was complaining about my uh, my popcorn habit, oh, yeah. and uh, you said that Francis and his uh, daughter. ASMR moment. Him. That's it. There we go. All right, <laughs> we're are the loudest eaters. Is that is that true? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I got a question. Um, as as far as your connection to like the Godfather movies and like in in the editing world um, and being so close in in Coda. You said you've gone back and also tweaked and worked on one and two. Has he, did you say that? Uh, well, we we didn't actually make apocalypse? any editorial changes to one and two. Actually, we did to two. There's one shot that we we trimmed, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't like any recut or anything. Nothing and, that you'd notice if you were watching it. But like in the middle of you no. working, just even on Coda. Um, were there any of the past editors that came around ever from the other? Like, does he include any of the past editors in, in, in what goes on in, in even three? Because I know that, uh, was it Malkin? Barry was, Barry Malkin. Yeah. Barry Malkin was in was involved in two and three. Yeah, he was a great editor. Yeah. He was one of the only editors I haven't I haven't met, actually. Unfortunately, he, he died a few years ago. But okay. um, no, I, I've actually recut a couple of his films, and I, I wish I could have met him. But uh, no, I never got to meet him. And as far as any of the other editors, have have you worked with any uh, Walter, of the Walter Murch? Yeah, I've worked okay. with Walter Murch. Um, I, I was his assistant on um, Tetro, uh, and uh, you know he's always just been around. He, he's done sound and stuff for for us for uh, a while. And when like we cut, I didn't actually get to to um, when we cut, recut Apocalypse. Uh, I wasn't able to attend the screening where where Walter came, but he he. Uh, uh, vehemently disagreed on a few of the changes that I made. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, which was a big bummer because he was a big, you know, inspiration to me. Um, but it was fine. I, it was just, uh, I just disagreed. But, and in the end, Francis uh, took his advice. No, uh, no, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, really? Yeah, no, which was like... fine, which was fine. It was, it was, at the end, there were some shots of, um, 
uh, Brando, uh, Kurtz kind of going into darkness and coming out. And Francis and I kind of thought we at first that he we overdid it and we had a few more, too many shots of that, and so we we cut him out. And then Walter was like, "Oh, you got to put those back in." So we put. Them back. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's a very like comfortable, like loose, mm-hmm. conversational, like kind of atmosphere. Yeah, well, well, Francis is super collaborative, and you yeah. know, one of the things that that um, that I've learned about about him over over the the years that I've, I've worked with him and other directors is that he. Uh, has infinite confidence in himself, which is nice because some directors you work with, they, they don't have that confidence. So it's like they're kind of worried about how they're looking as a director as they're working. So they don't want to be uncool or they don't want to make a dumb decision or they don't want to try something because they think it might not be cool or may fail or something. But Francis is just like, well, let's talk about it and try a crazy thing. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, you know, he, he, he has this kind of effortless uh uh, collaboration that that is really nice. Yeah. I'm curious how long it would take to edit an entire movie. Are we talking months? How much money do you have? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Like that's really what it comes down to, right? I mean, you uh, yeah. could just get so insane with the fine tuning of things that you could just get down to the minutia and just take forever. Right? Yeah, some some films can take a year if 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 there's a budget for it. Um, most indies, like low budget stuff, they'll try to do uh, like a ten week cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You start when production starts and you start cutting d- days as they come in. You try to keep up with production where you have all the scenes cut that they shot the previous day. And oh, so, wow. So, so you're when they, working in real time almost. Yeah. And so when when you, when you they wrap, you generally, like, you within the week cut. after, you have a rough cut that you can show the director. And a lot of time that's important for, for indie films because they want to have the ability to, like, see the film and say, oh, we didn't get this shot. We didn't get that shot. Or this scene sucks. We have to reshoot it so that before they break down all the sets and oh, all right, the actors right, right. go, they can reshoot stuff. We're going to do a reshoot today and we're going to do the scene yeah. from Clerks that sucked again. <laughs> Zach, you've never asked me how long it takes me to edit our, our podcast. I do. I, I ask you all the time, actually, Brad. I'm like, Brad, I appreciate all your editing so much. <laughs> You're doing such a great job, Brad. We, we don't ask because we know that your wife complains endlessly about the amount of time you put in. So we, we just assume it's way too much. The That's clock true. has been punched. <laughs> uh, but actually, going back to your question about uh, working with other editors, there's a, an editor named uh, Glenn Scantlebury who, who I've worked with um, starting in, in on Twixt. He came and worked, but he was uh, one of the original editors on Godfather 3. And he wasn't around uh, to work on uh, the new version, but um, I, I I got to chat with him a few times about uh, why certain decisions were made in there initially and stuff like that. It was, I was just thinking that when I, you know we knew you were coming on, that was one of the things. Like it, it's got to be very uh, obviously like working with Coppola's number one and just like starstruck. But working with and being you know in the editing world and that being your your major and your direction, working with these past editors probably would have been. Really cool, and you know somebody like Malkin, mm-hmm. you know, is probably a bummer to not have like yeah. worked with them. And I really wish because we did a big um, recut of the Cotton Club. Uh, I don't know that that's kind of a more obscure one, I guess, but um, that came out a few years ago, and that was a long labor of love, like three or four years. We worked on that, and um, I really wanted to reach out to Barry to to get his because he was the original letter on that, but I never got a chance. To. So with with Coda, was this more just fully Francis's decision? Like, hey, you know what? I'm just this is eating at me. I need to make a different cut of this. And I just, I, I have to do it and I'm not going to be happy if I don't. Yeah. You know, there was, um, there were, there were like three big ideas he had that he, that he, that made him want to actually dig into it. Um, he, he asked me to see what it would be like to start the film without the dilapidated shots of the estate of, of the, the Tahoe estate. Um, and without the 
kind of papal ceremony that goes on, the, the big church ceremony, to see what it start like to start directly with the. Um, well, at first it was to try to see how it looked without uh, to go just to the party uh, up in his 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 uh, apartment, and to also change the ending so that. I I watched it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, just say it. Michael, uh, in the original cut of The Godfather 3, he, he it's a, there's this long shot of him alone in this estate uh, in, in Sicily, and he uh, falls over and dies. He just, oh. like, unceremoniously sitting in his chair, has a heart attack or whatever, or a stroke, and, and falls over and dies. Um, but he didn't want to, uh, he did. He wanted to change the ending so that he didn't die. So that he's just, he's he's gone through this big tragedy in the film and is just kind of left with it and has to live with it for the rest of his life and he's they don't let him off the hook of dying you know right right, right. um so that's what that we went back to do those those changes and and once we started watching it and sitting with it we started doing more changes and more changes and more changes and, and just went on from there so you made, that's what i was curious was it was how many changes are like the most significant obviously the ending would be the most <clears throat> yeah was there and maybe another like a number two or three as far as significance, that yeah, was... we we moved. There's this scene uh, where he where where Michael is kind of negotiating uh, with the archbishop. How much uh, can I pay you to? God. When they're sitting across the desk from each other, yeah. and the archbishop is asking. He says he says oh, five yeah. million, and then he says or five hundred, and then the archbishop says six hundred million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. he, he, the 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 and it's actually coming out as a real thing now. It's a real thing that happened where the the church was. Uh, kind of embezzling money and lost a lot of money and everything. But anyway, that, that, that was in the middle of the film and he wanted to try to see what it was like in the opening of the film because originally, and this is when I was talking to Gare, um, Glenn about uh, how the film was originally cut, he said that film was, that, that scene was always in the beginning. And if you watch it, it's actually, it mirrors the opening of Godfather 1 where it starts on this long shot of Michael hmm. and you hear the, or no, long shot of the bishop and he's talking to Michael about his grievances and everything. Um, and so we put that there and then Glenn said, yeah, that's the way it used to be. That's the way it's shot. But then we showed it to George Lucas and, and he thought, oh, but halfway through the film, you forget about this, this, uh, this, uh, plot line with the church. Yeah, so like, where's so the Francis lightsabers? moved it to the middle so that you, you felt like you forgot about the Oh, Lucas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he's like, we need to have a four hour epic attack at the clones. <laughs> Republic, uh, inner workings of the government of yeah. the, he's like, where's all the CGI guys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why don't you have a fucking funny Muppet? <laughs> and then so, we, and we also wanted to make it more focused on the, the, the kids, uh, because he loses his daughter at the end. Um, and so there's some new lines with the archbishop, and it's actually me if you listen closely. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait. Bats. So when you say new lines, well, how how, do you, how does that work? I record them on my iPhone. Do you start? <laughs> <laughs> He's being serious. Sorry, did you, did you just say you record them on your iPhone? Yeah, iPhone. It, iPhone and it's, it's not the first time, but the, the but, highly technical yeah, iPhone. Francis has an idea. He's like, oh, well, this line would be better if it was like, if it, if you know, if it was said like this, or if it was you know this. And I said, I, I record a few lines on my phone, put it in the film, send it to him. He's like, yeah, that looks good, and it kind of just. It survives past all the different, you know, Wait, things. and what part exactly? Like minute and second? <laughs> no, uh, but what part? Like around? Oh, it's in the, it's in the opening, it. but it's... Oh, it's uh, in the opening. Okay. Yeah. In, the, in the... When he's getting the award 
Yeah, when he's telling him, "Oh, this will be, you know, this will, you know, this money will will make you legit. It'll be be for your family." And when he says for your family, that's me. Okay, all right, dude. Like, dude, you're you're Hell you're yeah. officially like ensconced in the Godfather universe. The BVK, <laughs> awesome. the BVK podcast has kind of become known lately for our amazing Italian accents. So if you need anybody else to record on their iPhones for a Just movie like a I don't know, like Godfather Two or something, like if you need somebody to be like Nicky, you know, I can I can just lay that shit down. Can alone from the background. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've been training with Chris Pratt. So <laughs> sweet. A lot of Luigi. It's a me, Chris Pratt. <laughs> so I want I have one more substantive thing that I want to that I that I want to throw out uh while we're while we're uh, drinking with the editor here. So w- one of the things that I that I love as a thematic point um that this does as well maybe originally as anything is like the subtle importance of the sort of like alpha dominant like structuring you know uh, that 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 is in the godfather that's in a lot of mafia movies but it's kind of understated in in some ways but it's very clear how important it is that like you know you kind of think of the retaliation and the sort of killing and the violence in, in in the mob as in some ways being like endemic because it's just they're criminals right but it's very clear, and one of the things I think Godfather does so well, um, because of some of the themes and some of the dynamics, is that like it's it's important for structuring both the business and the peace that exists between periods of violence, right? And so one of the things that they that you know that that comes up a lot of times is this idea that like you know I I have to I ha- I cannot allow you to do this thing right I cannot allow you to disrespect me or to you know have some sort of affront not just because I'm mad about it but because it would destabilize well and I'm protecting right? and Michael's justification right in like two and three is that I was protecting all of you from all of the evils of the world I'll take it like I'll burn in hell to like for for all of you right that's it. That was his justification. And Vito was, you know, similar, but anyways. Yeah. And so, so I just, I, I like the dynamic that comes up over and over again for me. I, I really love it. And, and sometimes it looks like it's some sort of like, you know, loyalty to family or sometimes it's just part of the, part of the business. But it also, I just think, you know, like you can see the way that, you know, how important it is for them to sort of establish that pattern of dominance so that they don't, things don't just descend into chaos all the time because everyone's always looking for some sort of weakness, right? Well, you have to rule from a, a position of power, right? And I mean, you know, you see people getting capped every once in a while. You're like, all right, yep. I'm going to cross the dawn. There's a certain order to things. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That, I love that element. I love the way that the Godfather sort of lays that out in a bunch of different angles. Um, I think as I watch that now, that that's a question that I'm, I'm constantly asking myself throughout the whole movie. I don't... Sometimes I watch and I think that, that I agree with that. Sometimes I watch and I think that they're all pieces of shit. Even if it's to protect the family, I, I kind of wonder how much that's true. Right. Um, so, so I wonder, I mean, I guess I wonder whether or not two things can be true, right? I mean, like, I, I guess I, I think there's a sense in which, like, you can really be uncomfortable with that morality or the, like, rationale behind it. Yeah, um, but it's all, when it, when it gets to violence, I think that's, you know, what... It, they're they're protecting you know their their big estate in Tahoe or whatever yeah. like they could all just stop and, and and you know go work nine to five jobs or something. <laughs> well, one of the best lines that I, that I found in, in Godfather was when he's talking with Diane Keaton's character. Kay. 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 Yeah, he's talking to Kay, and and she's like, "Oh, you're being naive about his family." And he's yeah. like, 
he talks about the politicians. He's like, he's the, just like a senator. And he's yeah. like, well, now who's being naive? Like, essentially, like, says pre- she says, like, presidents don't kill, you know, presidents, presidents and, and senators yeah. don't like, now, have now people who's killed. Being naive. Yeah. And I mean, it, it really exposes kind of the, the, the world. I mean, not to get conspiracy theorists, but it's like, obviously, our government's been doing things throughout the years that are. Almost very mafia. I don't think that's a conspiracy, bro. <laughs> the government has been doing things. No, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, they've operated as the mafia in a lot of different situations, and and that's, I mean, that's truth. So, I mean, he's not he's not wrong there, and and for her just to be like, oh well, the government doesn't do that. That's not yeah, true. but because the government does it doesn't mean it's right. Oh yeah, right. no, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think well, I think Breaking Bad actually did a very good job of. of uh, going through that analyzing that question i like i like that he kind of turned and by the end you know it's just he's a he's a he's a villain he's a piece of shit yeah 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 and i think that, that that's one of my favorite shows and and i do think that that that's a that's a really great like corollary where you're you you do ask yourself should i am i rooting for this person really did i just get caught up should i be rooting for this person um and i think with my i mean it's easy it's it's actually in some ways especially with just one it's easier to sort of you know, feel that way about Vito and less that way about Michael, right? Yeah, because where's the, where's the, I mean, Michael's first thing in the movie is him saying that he's not going to be like that, right? Yeah. And then is that the only part that you're like, okay, now we're behind this guy. He's obviously the good guy. And then he's kind of on the downhill for the rest of the movie. I mean, seemingly. I mean, although he, I mean, it's he's protecting his family or whatever it is. But no, he immediately kills people. But that's what I mean. Like, uh, <laughs> what is the like you? But we're talking about the antihero and kind of rooting for the guy that is not necessarily like the classic hero. And and you do find yourself kind of rooting for Al Pacino. I found myself rooting for Vito more than Pacino. Like pretty quickly because he seemed more reasonable, right? right? right. But but but. But at the beginning, Michael kind of comes off as this, like, he's going to be, like, level-headed, and he's going to be, like, super on the right side of things. He's not going to make the same mistakes that these other guys have done. And then at the end of the movie, the closing shot of him just, like, sitting there is fucking stark. And it's just, like, like, I've written down that, like, this movie would be released by A24 if it came out today. It'd be an A24 film. And uh, it'd be a super slow burn, and the end would be, like, that, that super, like, you know, wide shot of, like, coming away from him as he's sitting there. And you're, like, obviously, like, oh, he's taking over that role you know what i mean it fucking i don't know i i I really dig it but at the same time i just don't know where like you get behind him only person i really root for in the film is is k to like you got your out you can leave now like you met him early and he was cool but now he's gone you've got your out stay away (laughs) because you know it's not going to end well for her like i again legit haven't seen two but you know shit's going to be bad she got too much power man she can't walk away from that shit she came back and after like what he's gone a bunch and he's like hey leave those school children and come with me pacino's got a known huge <laughs> cock dude i mean <laughs> No, I think it's Sonny the one who's got the uh, <laughs> the hammer, the, the, the hammer, <laughs> Maxwell silver hammer. In the in the book, um, the the woman that Sonny has sex oh, with, oh, I know, has, is known for having a giant vagina. They said, they, yeah. put a, they said that she had the biggest vagina ever, and you could put a soccer ball inside of it. And I was like, what? I read this whole thing on the internet about the book talking about this woman's vagina, is and this, it's like they get super in detail about it. Is this yeah. where insert predator quote? Well, it's, it's, that's that's an interesting editing move in the movie. Is that because it's it's the seventies and maybe a little bit more prudish, like they just have that one scene where the girls are like, eh, and they kind of like nod, and then that's it. Like that's wait, I thought they were talking about a dick. 
Yeah, that's what they're talking. That's what yeah, talking the about. girls were talking about a winner. Uh, oh, I, okay, you're not talking. They about were talking, they about, were talking about a giant vagina. Oh no, no, yeah, they no, were talking no. about. They were, they were just yeah. talking about what size dick would satisfy this vagina, and they were like, "Oh, that's uh, what." They, uh, and they were like, <laughs> "Okay, all right." Real, real quick question: I think we're gonna get more into this on on Thursday, but uh, the question of as an editor, is it easier to edit material that you're into, or material that you're like, eh? That you can be disconnected from emotionally. Mm. That's a good question. Probably stuff that you're into. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, I've done both certainly, but it always feels like you can make stuff that's really bad to like somewhat okay. And you can make stuff that's somewhat okay into really good. Uh, But when you start off with good stuff, it's, you know, you can, there's no end to it. So it's. uh, Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's got to be a lot easier to go to work when you're like excited about like, all right, we're going well, to do some shit. It's art, right? Yeah. Like you're yeah. creating something. So yeah. when you're not like into it. Yeah. And, and certainly, tough. yeah. I mean, when like when you're working on a film, you're watching it over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Uh, and when I was doing Apocalypse Now, uh, that was the first time where I was like, I can watch this movie as many times as I want and it doesn't get old. And I don't like look. Like, you know, I'm not dreading the next time I have to watch it all again. So, so you run into them. We probably need to maybe wrap up our this section here. But I want to ask one more question since that, that I think builds right off of that, which is, you know, if we think about these films as art and, and the, you know, there are a couple examples we've talked about, like Coda um, or Apocalypse Now, where you've had substantive, you know, re-edits and, you know, you have some real like angst amongst the Star Wars community, right? For some of the re-edits that that you know George Lucas does uh, in some of the later rounds. <laughs> it's pretty angst awesome though that Star it, Wars community. <laughs> don't even get me started. But it's singular. Bra- it's Brad's, singular, Brad's over there just absolutely like grinding his teeth. <laughs> Leave like, it alone, Lucas. What other movie like that's like actual legit single movies? Like how cool is it? And it shows the power of the Godfather that you can rewrite you know, an entire movie, call it the same with a, an extended title. And I, I actually liked uh, Coppola's like little intro to like Coda, mm-hmm. just like setting us up for what we're about to see. But like that Paramount's like, re- redo it. Do what redo you want, it. bro. Well, the, when, you know, one thing that, that is important to us and, and important to Francis when we do these recuts is that we're not like, you're not changing uh, history. We right. still release the original versions and those are, you know, those are still, they still have their merits and they're still, you know, what they are. And, and he's proud of all of them. So when we have three cuts of Apocalypse, you know, uh, it's, he would prefer to sit down and watch the, the new one called Final Cut. But if you want to watch Redux, he's, you know, perfectly happy to make you, let you watch he, He's not going to take like all of a sudden Michael actually is not the one who killed the two guys in the restaurant. Yeah, he didn't the shoot first. Right? Yeah, there's going to be another guy that it shoots was, them. Uh, coming up Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jar Jar rolls in. <laughs> no, so, so, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's right to the question is like, you know, is it, you know, is it, it's, you don't think it's sacrilege to go back to something that's classic and original and then do some sort of, do, do a re-edit that, that changes the experience that people had and got attached to? No, me personally, I don't. I don't care. I mean, uh, release as many versions as you want. Do whatever you want with it. Release it upside down, black and white, whatever. But, you know, <laughs> if it's your, art. if it's yeah, your the, art, the, I, like, the Star yeah. Wars community has uh, some things to say. To you. <laughs> but it's just a true like version of greatness, right? So like, you could release like four versions of fucking you know, Freddy got fingered. And no one would give a fuck. But you know, you release another version of the, of, of Apocalypse Now and people are going to, there's going to be people that are going to be like, oh, it's amazing. There's going to be people that are up in arms about it. And, uh, you know, people form 
serious opinions about stuff that was like really important to them in that time, right? So I think you're kind of up against a little bit of this was a great movie, considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Anything that you do to it, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be like, no, it should have been the original way, right? I mean, yeah, but then you just say, well, watch the original one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, Lucas is. You should have kept his... your Jeep VHS, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the problem with Lucas is that he doesn't allow you to have access to Exactly. He took that version. shit away. Yeah. Brad's been just dying to say that for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have Stallone. He just did the Rocky Four that, that was released uh, November or whatever. And, and, he did a whole recut of Rocky Four and took out the robot and added a bunch of extra stuff. It's That's like great. bullshit. I call bullshit on all that. As long Taking as you left the robot. If you left Eye of the Tiger in him. Polly's robot's important. All right. So um that's drinking with the editor, uh, Rob. It's awesome that you came on with us, and awesome to hear from you. So awesome that if you're gonna, if you're willing to come back, we're gonna have you on uh, to judge us and talk more about uh, your experience uh, with uh, American. With American <laughs> sniper, <laughs> no, with American, American sniper, pie. how do you- <laughs> Nate is? <laughs> I love it. Begins and ends the podcast. Hey, we, with hey, just amazing. Few, few weeks off. I <laughs> I brain. I, I lost. <laughs> Oh man! Actually, I'm no. Gonna, I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> I'm gonna make you an offer you cannot accept. <laughs> so, uh, so, so we'll have you back if you come back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I promise to get the company name right. Now. Excited for it. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're gonna take a break, uh, and we're gonna come back with uh, snag shag and body bag, and uh, we'll be then. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Bev's Video Kingdom is brought to you by Don Vito's Wish Granting. A... I'm going to make you an offer that you cannot say no to. (laughs) There's no way that you can say no to this offer. It's an offer that is on the table, and you can look at it, and you can say, I cannot say no to this offer. (laughs) Just ask me during my daughter's wedding. It's the only time that you can say that you need to be... And you need to get a wish granted, and I will grant it for you. Just ask me for anything you want. Don Vito's wish granting. This is like an Italian genie. <laughs> Italian genie. I don't know what that is. It's like Italian Aladdin. I, I want to hear some example offers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was awesome. And now we are going to move along to Snag Shag. Shag snag body shag, bag. Shag body snag bag. body bag. Fuck, marry, kill. It's pretty much. You know the funny thing about this category, and I will tell everybody this. At the beginning, we were like, we should do fuck, marry, kill as a as a category. And Nick Nick was like, no, I don't want to say the F word. <laughs> <laughs> and now 35 episodes later and 4,000 F words later. My thing is, fuck. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are with shag, snag, body bag. All right. Uh, so let's start uh, with shag. And exactly. we're going to go right on. Cocksucker. <laughs> 
Cock shit balls. Don't celebrate it, Nick. Okay. Brad. Cock sucking, snagging, body bagging. What are you going to shag, Brad? You know what? I'm going to shag the uh, cocky, like, powerful people. When they get their comeuppance in movies, um, I kind of dig that. I don't know what, what it is about it. It can happen in a lot of different styles of movies. But when you have the cocky, kind of powerful, rich person, and they get kind of uh, uh, fucked over, and I'm thinking specifically of, of Jack Waltz in this movie, um, his horse, prize horse, gets its head cut off. Not, I'm saying that he deserves that, but he seems like kind of an asshole, kind of douchey, and he gets his. And then, of course, uh, the the uh, hotel owner, what the heck Mo Green, Mo Green, <laughs> mean Mo Green. Uh, he's kind of an ass, and you can tell he kind of rules with an iron fist. And uh, I mean, I'm not expecting that he deserved to get shot in the eye while he's uh, getting the massage, but you know. Mo Green was kind of a dick, and he. You try to get loud, and and when people can't ever like challenge you for it, but the mob they don't care. They're like, we'll fucking challenge you. We don't care. He's not the first, not the last guy to get shot in the eye during a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so just the idea of of when you're powerful, you're cocky, and you're rich, and you feel like you're invincible. When when somebody puts you in your place, I like that in a movie. All right, Zach, shag it. I just I talked about it earlier, but just the the realism of the of the entire movie and of and especially of the violence, um, which I'll get into later. Some of the some of the the realism isn't there in certain violent scenes, but in in certain parts of it, he really embraces just uh, you know getting real realistic, real bloody. And uh, you know, as I said earlier, you know, when I watched this, you had to you have to kind of frame it all in in the time that it came out. And, uh, you know, some of the kills and some of the, some of the stuff in this really, I, I have to imagine in night in the early 1970s really resonated with a lot of people. So can I piggyback really quick? Cause I, I loved, I'm also going to shag a, some realism, but it's a very different kind, which is I, I, in a lot of movies, especially, you know, sort of cheesier and weaker, you know, mob movies, you see the bosses give orders to the lieutenants that are very vague and kind of, you know, like ambiguous. And it's kind of played like you're not sure whether or not they're doing it because they don't want to be culpable or because you, they just trying to be, you know, the movie maker is trying to be cute. There's a lot of really specific directions given here. Um, and I love that. Right. Like it feels much more real because I'm like, there's no you're not going to be, you know, if, if you're in charge of this organization, you're going to be really clear about what you want people to do. Well, and it was before bugs. Nobody had to worry about bugs. That's, actually, that's actually a great and point. And that's that the I number one of. thing is you're talking about the 40s is yeah. when it took place. Yeah. So yeah. so I loved the, like, you know, there wasn't the, – nobody was trying to be cute, right? Like Vito's giving orders and being pretty clear about exactly what he wants people to do and how he wants mm -hmm. them to think about it, and Michael does the same thing. And I, I love that about it. It just it made it feel – that little detail – and the choice, both in the script and then and then in the direction, made it feel somehow like more grounded and more real to me in a way that I, you know just was you know sort of you might not notice otherwise. Um, all right, this is Nick. I got uh, my shag is Marlon Brando. So I'm guessing last name Brando. He's Italian. I mean, not Italian. Okay, because he yeah. I've heard about like he had like before the makeup he had like blonde hair and he's Dutch, and, I believe. Okay. I just last name. I didn't know. I didn't. So, yeah. to, so to to bring a guy like Brando in, I mean, because the the dude was like a mystic at this point. I mean, at this point, he was this dude that was extremely hard to work with. He was like borderline just blacklisted by like Hollywood because of how hard he was to work with. Leading into the Godfather, um, the studio heads said absolutely not. 
Brando ha- is the only one we we have. A, it's a hard no. He will never touch this picture. And but he was still revered as like the best actor ever. And this just like phantom of an actor that no one could figure out. No one could decode. He was he was strange. He was dyslexic and could barely read or didn't. I read couldn't read well. So his assistant would read scripts for him. And that was like his right hand, right hand woman. And um, I'm curious, Nick, what do you know about like the sort of like makeup or prosthetics that he was wearing? Like, because he didn't look like Marlon Brando to me. I don't know much <clears throat> other than the Kleenex stuffed in the pouches. Is of that his what it was to make? He said he wanted to look like a bulldog. So and there's he this... pulled it off, dude. I have a bulldog and he looks just like. Him. Well, and you think about like the, the accent and like the underbite that he, he yeah. shoves his chin out. He packs his cheeks with Kleenex and he said he wanted to like he wanted to be look like a, uh, you know, want to look like a bulldog and his accent. Everything's so just like if you think of it, it's, it's a caricature. Uh, of a of a mob boss now, but back then nobody had an archetype to really base things like off of. It's a wild like creative decision that he made or that somebody made at that at that time. Right, well, and, and, the, and the, is, the, the speaking like the way yeah. he decides to speak too. I mean, right. just that yeah, I'm gonna talk like this. And right, really slow down. It's a conscious impediment, right? I mean, he's thinking he like his character. He's decided has this weird like facial thing and this weird like way of speaking. Which now is iconic, but at the time, I bet you people were like, what the fuck is Marlon well, yeah, doing? You're, you're bringing in Brando, who's going to make some crazy decisions. He's going to be hard to work with. You're going to have to put cue cards everywhere because he doesn't memorize scripts. He, he has to just read it while he's there. And he also has people he says he will not work with. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> to get that performance, you have to definitely jump through some hoops. They're like, bring in Marlo's, Marlon's fucking uh, <laughs> cue cards. They're written backwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. And then, and so then it's, it's what it comes down to is it's Coppola. And I'll get to that next, but it's Coppola standing next to Marlon. Hey, go ahead that snag. Do start, your snag and your snag. Bring yeah. your snag in. Right bring here. it home, big guy. Okay, okay, so I'm still, snag okay, I'm on Brando, and then I'll move right on to my snag, which is Coppola. But, Love it. Um, so Coppola was, you know, they, basically there were mob, there were mob people on the set, kind of watching this thing. They pulled, um, oh my gosh, the hitman, the Luca one Brazzi. Luca Brazzi. So, and I'll just say this now because uh, to give you a sense of what was going on in like the the offset. There were like there were mob, um, not bosses, but maybe mob people watching the filming of the movie. Uh, Coppola pulled uh, Luca Brazzi. Um, off who was actually a bodyguard for a mob person at the time watching it he's like you have to be in my movie you have to play Luca Brasi he pulled him off and turned him into Luca Brasi just standing on set as a bodyguard for another mob uh, another mobster um, which which Luca never really gets his due in the in the movie. He never really gets to show like what a badass. He's very like very much the Boba Fett of this movie. He's thought of as like this big badass dude, and you get the feeling that he's like the heavy right, and then he kind of gets capped quick. Yeah, he's supposed to be legendary, and like I mean that dude. He's like <laughs> he sort of walks in with all the vibrato and confidence in the world. He's like ah. I'm just well, when, when they're talking, he's like you know what I can stop everybody, but you know we can't stop Luca. Yeah, He's like oh, I'll right. do it, Luca. Yeah. Right, <laughs> but 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 I mean, it's kind of an interesting. Like, it, it, that's a great. The, there's little things that tell you a lot about his character without him being there very much. Because the way I read that was, he's you can't stop him partly because he's like a, a force of nature, but also because he's a very like simple minded. Yeah, right. And he comes off in the in the early Definitely. part of it is like. Yeah. He's a very simple minded, very loyal. Like, and they were saying that that had to do with the fact that he's just a normal 
mob, you know, bodyguard who had a hard time understandably remembering his lines. And so him stuttering over his lines in the movie was him just like him, uh, Coppola working that into the movie in that perfect, in that perfect way. That's, but, that's genius for yeah. sure. So to, to really quick finish up on Brando, just they had to do a sec- secret screen test because the Coppola had to prove to the Hollywood execs that this is my man from the start him and Puzo wanted Brando, which is funny. Like they, they both, they had him in mind for, and the transformation they had to go through is so, that's what's crazy is that the transformation that Brando had to go through and still Puzo and uh, Coppola, that was the guy they had in mind. And that just speaks to how big of a deal. He was like the Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, you think about these mystics that do a, a film every whatever years, and you know that Everyone's seeing it. The the I think DDL is a good comparison. Right. Yeah. Um, they're going to get into that character. They're going to do whatever they need to get into that character. And uh, they talk about the screen test and him sitting, eating a piece of salami, putting a piece of shoe polish on his on his upper lip, um, dipping his cigar into the wine. And like they talk about this transformation that they saw happen in front of their eyes as he turned in to the dawn because he had read the script at this point and. They, it was like magic. And I picture a movie. I feel like they need to make a movie about Marlon Brando and specifically turning into Vito Corleone or the Coppola and Brando, the story of them. It's a, it's a movie in itself and how that happened because then that leads me into my snag and it's Coppola. Um, Nick's got pages if you can hear that. <laughs> so Coppola, um, you know, talked of as one of the best directors of, of all time possibly um godfather and godfather 2 two of the best movies um and um, and apocalypse now all three talked about and their favorites of of certain people's um movie collection of all time you have godfather filmed in 1972 godfather 2 in 74 and then apocalypse now in 79 and then followed by the outsiders in 83 it was that far after huh it was five seven years after godfather what apocalypse now yeah so apocalypse so godfather 72 and then apocalypse now 79 wow and then the build-up to God, then you have Outsiders in 83, Cotton Club 84, Godfather 3, The Anticipation in 1990, which, um, you know, we, we talked about a little bit with Rob as far as, but, you know, talked about Godfather 3 is definitely the talked about and, and seen as like a disappointment in, in some people's eyes because the build-up was so big. If you can imagine how big Godfather, Godfather 2 were, can you imagine like what uh, 18 years later, you know, the the third movie to a, to like one of the best movies, two of the best movies of all time. Well, it's uh, such, such a terrible situation where people are basically saying like your daughter sucked so bad. And that's, yeah. And like, that's the reason this movie sucks is because your daughter sucks. Like that would be, God, that would be so and, difficult. And you to know that Winona Ryder was first choice. She was set. I think she got sick or something. So what I read was that uh, her performance was panned and that in the newest version that i think rob worked on like the new the new coda version that uh diane keaton was saying that it's fixed like it's 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 better her 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 performance is her performance is fixed in the newest version i i watched it today you didn't like it i'm you know i, I, I just <laughs> I don't, i'm not trying to like bat you know i'm not trying to bash too much but it didn't it, it didn't it's, fix it's, her it's, it's rough it's rough it's rough it just is um but coppola i mean things like so he was some articles said that he was um, so he had started American Zoetrope and, you know, and, and that was kind of bleeding him of money. And he came into Godfather needing funding and needing money desperately. And so this Godfather kind of fell into his lap in a way. Um, 
you know, and it's funny that that ended up being what it was. Um, Hollywood execs were just, they basically had his replacement sitting off, off camera as he's filming the wedding scene. So really? his replacement's there sitting, they're, they're ready to pull him off so much that he knows that he's about ready to get canned. He knows he has a young Al Pacino who's a future star. He, he knows deep down. Nobody else does. But he's like, I got to show the Hollywood execs that this Al Pacino is the shit. And so we got to speed up and get it was the, the, restaurant the Italian scene, right? restaurant yep. scene. We got to get that in now so that you can see my vision. You can see that he's a shit to kind of save, save so his I read job the- and Al Pacino's job. I read the same thing that they were uh, that they were thinking about shit can and Al Pacino, and then right. and then they they did the restaurant scene, and everybody was like, "Okay, I see it." Right. Um, at the end of principal photography, he had ninety hours of material. Fuck. Wow. So Let's make like a three hour movie out of that. Right. So I mean, how how so bad some serious do you have editing. to be <laughs> to turn to turn? I mean, that's how is that not its own form of artwork? You go from filming a movie and then to think about gearing back up and turning that into what it turned out to be from ninety hours of footage. Like the things that you don't want to cut. There had there's a hundred things you probably don't want to cut that you're like, this is gonna make the movie, but I have to cut this. I don't know how this is gonna turn out. He's probably faced with that decision fifty a hundred times oh, yeah. in the course of editing. But, it, you know, it's just Coppola, his vision, how it turned out, how timeless uh, it is, the influences that you see everywhere. Um, his lineup, it's not, it's not huge, but it's some of the best movies of all time. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's unbelievable, and that, that's my guy. That's my snag. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm going to snag some of you were just talking about, and that's Pacino. But I snagging specifically, again, not having seen Godfather, but seeing a shit ton of other Pacino movies – Watching Pacino in a very understated role, and I know, I know, I just from experience, I know Godfather Two gets a little bit more crazy, but in one, just watching this very subtle performance of a guy who, you know, he, he's he's had a tough life, he's grown up in this family, and like they they've been through mob shit, but as an older guy now, he's he's gone through the war, he's a hero, he doesn't want that, and then just watching get just just slowly pulled back in, and him, him having to deal with that, that's it's amazing, and then like. A great performance. Like if you can't, you cannot watch Godfather and not say that this Pacino kid is going to do something special. Dude, he's bubbling. Like he's literally like his eyes are quivering. He's bubbling. The only time you see him get angry, which is, is when he slams his hand on the table at K, towards the very end. Like right. that's when you see him get like a little glimpse of the anger. Because when he shoots the guys, it's more of him just scared shitless. He's freaking out. And his out. eyes oh, his, like his look. Yeah, his look right before he's like about to pull the gun. Yeah. You can just see in his face. He's like, "What the fuck? I'm about to. Uh, I, I, Which, I'm going to do it." Yeah. Like I said earlier, when he goes into that bathroom and he can't find that yeah. gun for a couple seconds, it's like. Which oh, fuck. also, by the way, the choice to not have subtitles during that conversation. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. it's fucking unbelievable. We stopped the movie. I was like, "Are we supposed to know what they're saying, dude?" But my, you my do. Son, <laughs> if you, she's if like, you, "Why?" Are they showing subtitles sometimes yeah, but like, if you watch it you do like if you you get the gist of what he I mean, says you get he the gist says of basically something of we didn't mean any disrespect and he kind of he kind of like looks that. over yeah. at the cop one time he's obviously talking about the cop at one point because yeah. he kind of like looks over at him and like basically like yeah sorry what you get did. the gist of yeah. what he's trying to say and he's he's basically trying to say hey look michael and he's know, nervous because he yeah. knows that mike because he's you can tell he's nervous at what michael's gonna do he doesn't yeah. I don't know if he thinks he's going to, like, Michael is capable of doing what he's doing, but he knows that he's on, like, a thin edge with Michael and the entire family. Well, he's like, hope you don't have a temper he, like he, your like your, your brother Sonny. Like, yeah, I like that how the cop's like, 
I, I frisked him. He's good. Yeah, <laughs> I frisked him. Don't don't you gotta go. You gotta go. Says. So uh, I, I was gonna snag exactly the same thing and make basically the same points that you're making, Brad. Which is, and to to ex, put an exclamation point on it. I mean, Pacino, he's he's he has many great roles. So I don't want to like I don't want to push this too far, but it sort of reminded me of the way that I think about Stallone in um, Rocky and then in for in Rambo: First Blood. Right, because if you haven't seen Rambo: First Blood in a while, go back and watch it. It's nothing like the the later, especially the much later Rambo's, where he becomes a caricature. Um, and similar with the Rockies, like he's subtle. He's not the Sylvester Stallone that we've come to know because we've just we've seen him kind of become a caricature of his, himself he's not many times man. over. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Pacino obviously is is I think a, you know maintains a much more serious and much more you know like captivating you know presence in a lot of later movies but he does get kind of bigger and more exaggerated and so to go back and watch this now and kind of be waiting for the al pacino that we've come to know and then only see this really really cool tight and like you're just you 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 realize why right why does he become al pacino because he's so incredible in that and so like perfect and right on the edge and little things and not these big, you know, judgments or big, big gestures or big, you know, changes in his tone. He's just amazing in it. I mean, for me, you know, he's every bit, he holds, he, he, he wins the movie from an acting standpoint in a movie full of amazing performances. And you see that he was obviously meant to be the Don. Like he fought it. He was the only kid like Vito didn't want it for him. He wanted to be a Senator. He was quiet. He went to the army, but the second he gets the opportunity it's like he knows exactly what to do, who to cut. He cuts Robert Duvall, which I had issues with. That was yeah. rough to see old Robbie cut to yeah. out of uh, consigliere. Exactly. He knew what yeah. he wanted what to snagging? do. So, so my snag is going to be a little bit off the beaten path from you guys, and it's going to be – I haven't seen Godfather 3, and apparently Sofia Coppola is just like <sighs> – she's not good, right? So my snag is Sofia Coppola because she has done – Two movies that you like I her acting in Godfather One. Fucking love. Oh, sorry. and I'm gonna say <laughs> the Virgin the Suicides, the Virgin Suicides in 1999 and in 2009, 2003, Lost in Translation are two of my favorite movies, and especially Virgin Suicides. It's like nepotism gone right and nepotism gone wrong, right? So like. Her, him casting her in Godfather 3 was nepotism gone wrong, where it's like it could have been somebody else and it could have been better. And then her getting the chance to do these other movies, I mean, whether they're based on her own merit or whether, whether they're based on her dad being Francis Ford Coppola, which I'm sure all of the things added up to her getting the chance to doing these two movies, I love both of them. They're fucking great. Yeah. And uh, Lost in Translation is we'll we'll revisit cool. this in uh, in streaming streaming recommendations. But I've never I, I'm a bigger Sofia Coppola director fan than I am a Francis Ford Coppola fan. And just because I haven't seen a lot of Francis Ford Coppola stuff, uh, because it's kind of before my time, and you know I'm getting a chance to catch up on that stuff. And this shit's the, I, I thought The Godfather was really impressive. But man, Lost in Translation and uh, Virgin Suicides, great fucking movies, and I fucking love it. That's right. what I got. What are we body bagging? Anybody got a really tight, really good one? I, I have one that's it's and it's actually kind of related to with Rob being here was the idea that, and I don't want to bring it up with him, but 
time jumps without giving any extra info about like how far we've jumped that i'll say that's my 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 problem with the movie that you have some time jumps that are just kind of almost seem like i know they're editorial choices but at the same time kind of annoying so the one that stood out to me was like michael when he says he's been back a year like all of a sudden she she's talking to Kay. Oh, oh yeah, and, and that's right like, after. So that's right after Apollonia gets blown up, yeah. and, and they really just she gets blown up, and then there's like really nothing said about that whatsoever. Like afterwards, he's back and he's been back a year. That is that is a slightly confusing timeline for sure. You're like, is this a day later or is this <laughs> a year later? He or? says he's been back a year or so, and then like yeah, he's talking to Kay again. So. Yeah, it, there's just a little bit of time jumping in the movie that bothered me where you don't really know. Okay, when did, wait, how far did they jump? Where are we at now? Like, we start off in 1945. Are we in 46, 47, 48? Like, where are we at? Like, I need, I wanted a little bit more clarity in that aspect. And so if a movie's jumping around with time, give me a little bit more clarity to help me out because I'm dumb. I want to body bag what I think others might, which is... I just that one scene where Sonny's beating him up. <laughs> it like, stands out so how, badly. How, it's, it's actually it, a one punch. It's, it's the, the one. It's one. The one he punch. misses by a full half foot. Yeah. And, and and but but you can see a lot of light between. But the you know what? And, but but that in fact here here if without that one punch I might not have noticed the rest. But right. then I was on I looking for. You're on high alert after that and because after that, you're like and oh so okay then everything this isn't real totally stage. And that's and that's what's so jarring about it is that the whole movie is like. A really just like a showcase in realism and like a, you know real Man. violence and real real shit going on. Couldn't agree. And more. then you got James Con missing the guy by a foot that he's supposed to be kicking the shit out of. It, it feels like all of a sudden you you your suspension of disbelief completely crashes for a minute. And that you, was you're watching a bad high school, you know, like <laughs> yeah. poorly choreographed fight scene and in on a, in a play. Yeah, it it, like, it stands like, out for on? for absolute yeah, like it's like a, a fly on a wedding cake. It's just like what the hell is going on here? This does not And what it comes match. down to is like we had the editor on earlier, like like let's edit that shit out. Like let's fucking take that punch out. Just that one punch and it doesn't take you out of the scene at all. I don't I don't yeah, agree with that. You can jump to the crowd watching for yeah, a, second exactly. a second and just yeah. have that miss. I, uh, yeah, cuz if it's a miss it makes sense, but the fact that he reacts like he got punched is yeah. just ugh. So I'm going to I'm going to piggyback on that cuz my body bag is that exact scene and my problem is that James Conn doesn't stomp that motherfucker out. The re, the the way, the fact that that man is allowed to live after he punches. But no, they've they said at that point they said it multiple times they're not going to win. I don't give a fuck. I I, I liked the he fact not, that he, he yeah, basically had him almost unconscious on the ground in the water, and then he gave him another kick no. to the to the dome. There's one thing that I know about woman beaters, and that is that they fucking don't they don't reform all of a sudden. Well, that guy got There's, beat up. What I love is that I love what it was pretty damn real is that when he starts running and he throws the bat. Adam. <laughs> yeah, I do First. love that. He's like, he's like yeah, I'm totally not going to catch you with it. Oh, I, got, I can't keep <laughs> yeah. it in anymore. I'm chucking this bat and then I'm going to chase you down. I once, fought, I once got in a fight with a rooster that started almost exactly that same way. <laughs> <laughs> Nate was out here cockfighting. That, that's a true story. <laughs> Did you throw a bat? No, I had a pair of uh, like giant sc- iron scissors. <laughs> oh, you were coming out for blood. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to try to kill it. But I mean, I wasn't. I didn't start trying to kill it. It's just that it bowed up and started trying to go you after. Didn't, you didn't my, start it. 
It tried to go after the, my it. like ch- children, and I was like, and I got, I lost my mind. Like I, and I started like, yelling at it. <laughs> I accidentally impaled my. It was son, like that but... time at the church basketball game. Nate, yeah, no, Nate, I, Nate bit his knuckles like Sunny. <laughs> I was screaming. I, I, th- I threw the iron, bite, uh, iron bite scissors, wing. and it just missed. And then I started yelling at it. Let's fucking go. Let's go to this rooster. And of what course, the rooster is like, I don't. I, I don't I balk, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on. I, I lost my mind. flinches at it. <laughs> anyway, I get what Sonny was doing. I, I understand him. I feel him. I don't I don't get what Sonny was doing. I think if somebody does anything remotely close to that to your sister exactly. and you're also a fucking cold-blooded killer. I, so, Nick. But you think the, American, the second time he was going to die, though, right? Zach's no, 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 for sure. But it should have never got there. That's my point. It should have never got to the second time because, Nick, you, as a as a young man with a beautiful younger sister, you cannot allow something like that to happen to your sister, right? So it's the minute that your sister gets beat up, but you have to frame it in the reference of you're already a murderer, right? So you already kill people for fucking I know, I, I talking shit about your you. uncle or whatever it is, you know, yeah. whatever you Italian people kill people for. But I'm <laughs> well, saying it, like... It is funny that Sonny... You know, was the hothead and killed anybody at any exactly point. Exactly my point. And that you. was when he drew. You a, are a making my we, point. A person we know once saw a a woman getting beat, like while she was like the the husband was driving or the guy was driving and was beating his woman in the driver's or in the passenger seat. He pulled the guy over and was going to fight the guy, and before he's about to fight the guy, the woman jumps out of the car. So and that's takes the guy's side and is like, he's going to beat your ass. So this is a very common this is a very common deal. And so with, with, you beat the guy's ass, and then now the woman's mad at you. Right. This is this is, this is is what happens with police. They always say that, that, you know, you get called to a domestic violence disturbance. You get there. By the time you get there, the woman is thinking, oh, my God, I don't want my man to go to jail. You know, he is the one that supports me, blah, blah, blah. I don't want this to happen. And so now they're defending them and telling you all this stuff. Whereas 20 minutes before they were calling the police because they were fearing for their life, right? So uh, that's my whole point is that this isn't a random person. This isn't a random person that he saw getting beat up in a car. This is his fucking sister, bro. This is his his pregnant sister. I understand that. And that's when you tell your sister, sissy. Chill the fuck out. I'm gonna kill your husband, and then we're gonna find <laughs> you, you a better. You one. handle it like Michael. You say like, "No, hey. I ain't, I'm not gonna kill him," and then you kill him. It's, the difference is exactly, exactly, and that's exactly my point. Yeah. Is that you have to frame all of this like, like me, like obviously I would want to kill somebody that did something bad or terrible to my sister because I love my sister, but I wouldn't murder them because I'm not a murderer. But if I was already a murderer, it would be. I would have, I mean, you would go from zero to fucking murdering a dude in z- one second if you were already a murdering dude. Tell Carlo to bite but, the curb. But, but, exactly. you gotta say, but Nick, you got to admit, exactly though, my point. that Michael did that for Sonny. He didn't do that for for, uh, for, Sissy. for his sister. Right. No, that's exactly right. my point. I don't think, I think that the women, the women are done wrong in this movie. I mean, we're missing the Michael most. Michael didn't know about it, The though. most obvious body bag is 16-year-old. Got the the 16-year-old girl showing her boobs in the movie, right? I mean, like, obviously, like, that shit doesn't age well. But, <laughs> Wait, I was, mean, we're. Apollonia was 16? She was 16. And yeah. what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, is like obviously I watch that now, and and you you see that scene, and you're like, this may be problematic, but you have to frame everything in the 1970s, you know, frame of reference. And I guess that was cool, like 16 year old naked 16 year old chicks was cool, and you marry them, and maybe they get murdered in a car. But- we, we watched Romeo and Juliet in English, I think in like ninth grade or something, and it was the old school version. And I think the both the actors in that one were like either 15 or 16. And there's a, a big nude scene, and uh, yeah, the, I think the teacher was supposed to fast forward it, and just we're all sitting there watching. It. Also, it's like 
oh boobs <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, like running up to the front unfortunately like, ah! that's the only scenario where it's okay where you're also 16 and you see the 16 year old boobs but what i'm saying is, is that like there's 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 some problems and there's some stuff you can body bag in this movie but if you frame it in the 1971 reference like i think this movie is pretty tight and this movie i mean for such a long movie i feel like it flows really well the storyline is really basically laid out for you and you can kind of see where it's going, and it has a great arc from Don Vito to Don Michael, right? And 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 the one part that really kills me is that, like you guys said, James Conn is a fucking hothead, right? He's a guy that's going out and just killing fools for no he reason, beat the and shit he decides he as much not as to kill the guy that beat his pregnant sister. I'm sorry, I have issues with that. One thing, really quick, and this isn't really a body bag, but you were talking about things being like tight, and I forgot to bring up. Our love of the show zero zero zero. On it's, my it's Amazon original show. Streaming. If you guys haven't seen it, you gotta right. see it. But the fact that it crosses over the world is where it's shot. It goes from Italy, you know. Yep. That show goes Italy, Africa, U.S., Mexico, and like I thought about that now going into Godfather this time around, and that's you see, you see that you see the qual. You know that it's not. You know. You know that it's not the valley. You know, in Southern California, when you see the hills of like uh, Salerno or you know, 100%. Of, of the town of Corleone. when he's in Italy, yeah, for yeah. sure. And 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 Lisa was saying, my wife was saying that uh, in uh, Sicily, right? That's where they're from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spot where is it Sicily? Is it where are they from? Sicily. It's Sicily. There's yeah. a spot well, no, where they're coming from Corleone, down. Like Corleone, the actual, which is in right, yeah, but Sicily. but I believe it's Sicily where they're coming down the hill after he marries Apollonia, mm-hmm. and they're coming down and they're walking down with the wedding party. She said like that part of the town is just like such a tourist attraction now because of the Godfather that, that like the locals are like this is bullshit. Well, Bourdain like, did an episode where he went to uh, he went to Corleone and interviewed well i don't know if he interviewed coppola in corleone but he interviewed coppola in that episode <sighs> and just talked about his legacy he went to corleone walked the streets and Bordeaux interviewed Cor- badass yeah which i watched that documentary by the way the the newest the road one runner me and denise watched on it. hulu no well i didn't know it was on hulu we bought it we rented it on I, th- I think it's on parrot or no it's, not on- it's Par- on cock it's par- on the cock parakeet <laughs> all right uh, so so nick did nick get the body back something my favorite yeah, streaming uh, service was, parakeet i was uh no, I'm with you. I'm with you with the All punch. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I believe that takes us to cameo. Are we? Are we, is that where we're at? Yeah. And 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 for a movie that was made in '72, you would think, okay, you're gonna have a. It's gonna be a lot more. Uh, it's gonna be a lot more dead than cameo. Dead than cameo. <laughs> which dead or on cameo? There was, I guess, the better decision would have been like, okay, who's still alive? But there is one person that is still on cameo. Just one. <laughs> you know what? Just for time's sake, I'm gonna go ahead and just tell you. That Gianni, Gianni, I don't know how you say it, Russo, who played Carlo, the uh, the aforementioned guy that Zach wanted to have die way earlier in the movie. Oh, the douchey husband? Yes. Still alive. Oh. Still alive. Oh. And on cameo. Allegedly has former mob ties, and uh, he's on cameo. How much you paying for Carlo Dude. from The Godfather? I'll bet, he, I'll bet it's more than you think. Do we get a stomp him out? I want to get kind of say Afagul, Afagul, you Gabagul. I bet he's I bet he's one hundred and twenty bucks. I'm gonna go. Oh, he's in the Godfather. He's also connected. Basically, like the only living Godfather person that's on cameo. What'd you say, Nate? One hundred and twenty. I'm one hundred and twenty-one. <laughs> Two hundred. <laughs> Nick is right on the button. What? One ninety-nine. That's nuts. Give it to Russo, me. Russo, one ninety nine. 
Um, Godfather. But that's Cameo. So, hey, Cameo, talk us up. Thanks, Cameo. Here. All right. All 2022. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick off a st- streaming recommendation, and that is my my second what I, if if you're going to if you if you get in the in the organized crime mood for me you got to go to the departed it's on hbo max uh and I, for me i think it's i mean it's my favorite i think of all the of the genre and uh and i'm not saying it's better than than the godfather but for me it's the most entertaining of them and there're a bunch of good roles in it so the departed's on hbo max you should watch it if you haven't and if you have watch it again I've got, uh, I mentioned it just really briefly, Jane Austen's Mafia. Uh, of course, the Jane Austen's is uh, ridiculous because it is a uh, Abraham's movie. Abrams, I'm sorry. Uh, this is Jay Moore, Christina Applegate, basically doing J- a parody. J.J. Abrams? No, no. Uh, uh, the Zuckerberg, uh, Zucker, Abrams Zucker, the, uh, the, the famous Naked Gun and... Uh, uh, all those old school comedy movies. So Mafia is in that same lane. Um, It was Lloyd Bridges' last movie. Lloyd Bridges, uh, 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 just an absolute uh, stalwart of comedy. It's on Hoopla. So if you've got Hoopla... I thought it was, oh, shit. Nobody's, I got hella blue. I'm nobody's got, nobody's got, you, you got hella blue? I got hella blue. Hoopla uh, came out, I think it came out blue. last week. Uh, yeah, it was it was an offshoot of uh, Chuba Chub. So yeah, <laughs> chuba <laughs> So yeah, no, but Jay Moore, Christina, it's actually you guys. After watching Godfather and and knowing Casino and 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 those movies, it's actually pretty damn funny. I I recommend taking ninety minutes and watching. What's it. the movie again? Mafia. Oh. So I'm gonna I'm gonna That's piggyback right. Brad and I'm gonna go with the 2001 movie Made with Vince Vaughn and uh, John Favreau. Ooh. That's a good which one. is a really good uh, kind of. Uh, kind of a you know spoof on mafia movies it's on hbo max and uh i i, I want to again reiterate uh lost in translation virgin suicides sofia coppola directed movies you should go check those out love you sofia um and and the last one is the one that nick stepped all over for me earlier which was zero 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 which was my original streaming recommendation Fuck. which is oh, I didn't just so fucking good <laughs> so, um i mean explosions in the sky does the soundtrack it's fucking amazing they're the same guys that did the soundtrack for friday night lights the movie um some of the best instrumentalists instrumentalists around uh the movie or the the show really hits it's got a killer killer cast we're going from the the hills of Italy to Mexico to the United States Deserts to Africa, Africa to Egypt and, and and all over the place and it's just it's it's really spectacular it really gives you uh, kind of a bunch of different uh, diff- different sides on kind of the drug trade and organized crime and stuff like that so if you haven't seen zero 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 check it out it's on Amazon Prime streaming for free if you Everybody's got fucking Amazon Prime, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I, How do you I think literally everybody? Yeah. How do you order your fucking huge cans of lube, Nick? <laughs> Amazon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Delivers the next day. Um. So, Nikki, you gotta. Hey, if you tomorrow. guys, since you guys are watching The Godfather, just pony up, watch Godfather Two. Okay. Okay. So it's you have to pay for it. Uh, Amazon. Two ninety nine looks like rental. Yep. Um, Godfather Part Two. You can, buy the whole, are, you can buy the whole trilogy on Prime for uh, $19.99. Yeah. Do it. Do that. I don't even recommend, you know, jumping right into three. Get one and two. Pony up. But My Godfather pony. 2. Nick, I'll ask you a serious, though. Should I go one, two, and then Coda, or should I go one, two, and then the original three? 
So actually, like, the ending of three that he talked about, I always thought, I never, I never thought anything was wrong with it because it was similar to me to Vito's um, heart attack, death. Yeah, but he's not playing with the kid, but he's sitting in like a courtyard, dust is blowing, and he like hunches over, and kind of just falls. Um, and I thought I was totally fine, and I thought I connected to Vito, and I watched Coda today, um, and honestly, the the ending after seeing the first one didn't uh, didn't blow me away, and I and I probably would have taken the first one. So the other edits, I don't know exactly what he did because I didn't know three that good. So, um, but Godfather two is an amazing movie, and I gotta ask Nick, what what are your wife and young baby doing while you're watching eighteen <laughs> hours of Godfather trilogy? <laughs> so Godfather one, you watched you watched the whole three uh, hours. From, what, what, is, what are, what are your baby three, three thirty? They're, they're naps. <laughs> Did you not forget, Zach? Do you remember when you had one kid? There was plenty of time where I hate to say it, but Brad is absolutely right. When I had one kid, that shit was so easy. So So, you could watch all the mob movies you wanted. Do we watch through the entire series of Scrubs in like like a month just because like it was like nap times and stuff? There's early early mornings. Like I wake up early as shit to watch these and and do like research and stuff. And uh, so, anyways, Godfather three, I chipped away on. The last like day and a half, you watched it. You you watched it like I do. Multiple Nate episodes. Yeah. Uh, All right. Anybody have just a killer alternate ending reshell? I do, and it's the the one thing I really want, which is, and this maybe Zach would be more into, is I want the movie where Michael accidentally gets killed, or he just gets aced by the other group, and Sonny lives and goes insane. So we get Sonny just basically trying to like single handedly kill. Everyone, it's like it's like natural born killers mafia version. Sonny's like Sonny's like most of history, where it's always the deranged kid that ends up running the uh, the crime family or the uh, royal family or whatever it is. If we're gonna go that route, can we also see one where Fredo is the head of the family? <laughs> see, I haven't seen two, so I don't know. I, I know Fredo's got some some crazy shit's gonna go down, but he's the one that went to Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the scene where they get to Vegas and he's just like trying to show him all the cool stuff, and he's like, "No, I'm serious right now." Well, his, his little brother's like, "Dude, like you've been smacking my brother." Yeah, he's like, "Oh, just once, just once." <laughs> Fine, he didn't mean it. Yeah. That's a good scene. I forgot about that. But yeah, no, I want I want Sonny just going off with because if, if Michael got killed, that's the one that would Sonny would just be yeah, off the rails. Blood. Yeah, there so would I've, be a, there will there will be blood. Yeah, I've got I've got Part an alternate two. I've got an alternating. If we're walking around Bez Video Kingdom, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this over to uh, again again. We're gonna go back to the Tarantino well because I just Apollonia right. She's the real tragedy of the entire story. Like, first of all, she's like 14 and dude's like, I'm going to marry you. And she's like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> and he's like, your, your name is the same name as the city that I'm from. I guess we're going to get married. And then uh, she's just like, I just want to drive the car, Michael. Let's just drive the car. Show me how to drive the car. And then she fucking gets blown up. So my deal is the end of Godfather 1, it's like the long scene of Michael and you see the wide shot and it comes out and he's like obviously Don Vito now, right? And then I want just a cut right after that to the fucking smoking pile of the burning car and fucking Apollonia's hand just like comes up and fucking grips something and you're like, oh shit. Zombies. She's still alive. So, so, so. And then 
Yeah, yeah. So maybe this. I was gonna say, well, how does the how does the, my dad's Godfather uh, the Godfather tell Don? Exactly. So it's basically Godfather tell Don. Dad had a Godfather tell Don. No, 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 but no. he's saying that, that <laughs> any any ending to any reshelve, you just add tell Don to yeah, it, my right? Dad wants so every movie to be so. Apollonia's Apollonia's arm comes up at the oh, very God. end, and you're like, you're like, oh shit! And then the real zoom out, and the hills yeah. of of uh, <laughs> of uh, Corleone, you see all the caves, all the vampire caves. And then, and and then what, I'm seeing, what I'm envisioning is Godfather 2 and like it starts the same way and like everything's happening in Godfather 2 and then all of a sudden people just start getting knocked off left and right and you get some sort of creepy scenes of like uh, this like severely burned like 14 year old like exploited girl like murdering people and then and then at the end that's how that's how Michael gets it like Apollonia comes back and is like fuck you Michael I will say she is the, she <laughs> fuck Zach, you you're 100 on that that she is the least important like just such a just like basically she's an after we need a placeholder okay yep. here's our placeholder because after she gets blown up there's not a word said about it yeah, yeah. you're like you're like you know what he would want to do while he's in exile in italy probably bone an underage girl <laughs> and they're like oh, they're like okay right, so but, we'll but, okay. just throw that storyline in but what should we do like he's gonna need to go back to diane keaton at some point uh, like let's blow, blow her up, up. <laughs> yeah fuck it <laughs> And then and then he goes back like like I, I I actually dig the sequence and I get like the character development of Michael and he's like getting these different experiences at the same time but at the, but it, she was uh, a prop. Another part of me is like, man, she just fucking she got fucked. <laughs> like I mean, I'm glad that she was able to let like, go on to marry Prince later on. That was like a that was like a happy <laughs> ending Ooh, look for at her. That little purple rain <laughs> reference. That girl. Apollonia, bro. That actress? No, it's just another girl oh, named shit. Apollonia. Oh, <laughs> oh, I knew that. You got one, Nick? I just, I mean, like, I did not come uh, to the pod tonight with anything, but in the course of talking about Vito You have on the seven day, pages of notes. You're saying I, you didn't come with anything? No, dude, that's Godfather respect <laughs> is what that is. Uh, but alternate ending, Vito having to take any request on his that's daughter's wild. wedding day is just asking for a comedy. <laughs> It's asking for a fucking comedy. Is it, I mean, is it a pot smoking comedy where Vito's Maybe. getting high? Is it like, I want to be Don for a day? Don for a day. I want to be Don. Don, Don Vito, I want to see you a uh, shotgun of this beer. Uh-oh. Okay, here we go. How do we finally get first Italian yeah, accent? I have always wanted a hand job from the Don. It's your daughter's <laughs> wedding. Come on, come on, touch it. My wife. It's so good. That was boring. That was boring. Very nice. The thing is, he seems so nice. He started in Italy. How much? Kazakhstan. He seems so pissed about something. Like he's like, "Oh, you're coming in here disrespectful," but it's like he has to do it still. Yeah. Even though he's like mad at some of the guys, the way they come in and yeah. asking about things, but he still has to do it. Yeah. Like it seems like a bad custom. Like you know, like like what, who came up that's with this a fucking flawed role? system? Flawed design. Yeah. But I mean, it's like who's out there? Don't let him in here. Ask me some crazy oh, shit. Crazy shit. He was here last. I night. had to touch his butthole last he year. Was Don't here bring at him in. Sonny's wedding. Fuck. <laughs> hey Don, snip my finger. Oh well. <laughs> you know, I can't think of a better way to end the Godfather pod than to talk about uh, Don Corleone touching somebody's butthole. He's a generous dude, man. Uh, Give her. All right. So that was that was uh, our. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a true classic. Yeah, you know what? Are we we're probably we're, we're we're rolling in probably around two, but we're not as long as the movie, so we're good. I heard true. that's why he went with the like severe bulldog underbite look because he can eat an asshole better that way. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
Let's cut Get that, that one in before, <laughs> the, uh, before the buzzer. Let's right. cut that in post. All right. So that's, uh, that's Zach's buzzer beater. <laughs> hey, king of buzzer beaters, Zach Watkins. Yeah. You don't even know. Uh, I'll tell the Zach yeah. buzzer beater. Right. Yeah, we'll talk about that another day. All right. So um, that's our that's our first episode of 2022. Thanks for coming uh, coming along with us. Thanks we're, for coming back. Coming back. We got a full, we got a year of great movies. Um, but but first things first, we got our dra- first draft episode of the year coming up on Thursday. We're going to do most memorable crime bosses. We're going to have Robbie back on to talk more uh, editing and Coppola and uh, and Godfather related things with us. So don't miss that. Uh, and I think that's it. We're going to make him an offer. He, he can't say well, no to, or he might, you know, <laughs> if, if he's feeling all right, you know, he doesn't have to say yes if he doesn't want to, you know. I'm going to make him an offer, and we're just going to see how it goes. Is it, yeah. I'm, I'm going to make is, you is an offer us? that you're going to think about for about six months, and then you can get back is to it. Is it something we did? Is that why he didn't say yes? Like, I don't, okay. I'm going to make you an offer that you cannot say no to. It's not, it's not him, it's us, okay? It's not him, it's us. Okay. You deserve that, Nate. See you later. (laughs) Bye-bye. Start this